I'm Trevor. This is Fixie's Playground. This is episode two. This is the New Year's, folks. Uh, 2021. And um, doesn't look like it's going to be much better than 2020 as of right now. We'll, 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 we'll wait and see. It's early January. Um, hope everyone had a happy holidays. A good New Year. Uh, my birthday is around the corner, so I'll be 32. That'll be wonderful. Besides uh, for that, this is episode two. And I have another guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guest. This is Alex Hardigo. I'm uh, thankful to Trevor for inviting me to have a little bit of dialogue and conversation. It's always great catching up with a new friend. We're going to uh, probably have a good time over the course of this, I guess you can say, transaction. It's a happy new year to everybody. And let's hope what Trevor just said that 2021 is not going to be better than 2020 because... I'm a little more class half full, but hey, let's kick it off right now, fellas. <laughs> all right, all right, man. So, uh, I guess we'll start out with some of the introduction questions. Just kind of get this ball rolling. Uh, obviously, earlier you said you, you read books or at least some kind of books. I know a lot of people that don't like reading. Uh, I'm a heavy reader. So, if you want to go ahead and just give me the name of a book, maybe their author, what it's about. Yeah, I'd say... Uh I guess I have a few of them as far as there was a book called Broken, which was about an old uh, war vet who was in the Olympics. He was literally about to set Olympic records, but was called to duty, and he didn't hesitate. All he did was serve his country. He went over there admirably, went under unforeseen circumstances, and uh, to say he was triumphant is an understatement. And another one is related to 9-11. And it was uh, the man in the red bandana with Wells Fargo. He was actually tied to a business um, occupation, but he, at heart he was a hardcore firefighter, a lot like his father. And they had a book about him as when 9-11 happened, the first plane hit, he dropped that tie, he grabbed his hard hat, and all he did was go to work is what Wells thought. And he saved a lot of lives, and those lives continued his story. This story is uh, about perseverance, it's about overcoming the unimaginable, and yeah, I'd say The Man in the Red Bandana is probably my favorite book as far as that goes. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. So you really like non, non-fiction history, I guess? Absolutely. It's kind of your forte. Uh, is there any other genre you kind of like to dip your toes in? Or? I actually had uh, Christopher Paolini with Aragon. That was one that uh, I, I like it. I have all of them. Have you read the new one? Have you read his newest book? It's sci-fi though. No, I had no. read that series. It was supposed to be a trilogy, and it ended up being too uh, extravagant. So it was four books. Four books yeah, yeah, it was four books, but I read all four. I Loved it. Them. Then I saw the first movie, and I oh, thought it did a. Oh God, no! Yeah, movies always do a disservice, and I thought that one did. A that really, really. There's big there's a difference between doing a disservice and just like putting the book down and taking a big steaming pile of shit. On top of it, um, yeah, uh, just, just just let everyone know, let you know, that there's no filter on this. Absolutely. I curse. I say very terrible jokes, like, I mean, dead baby jokes. If it's funny, I'm going to say it. And I'm going to laugh. Um, and we're going to talk about everything. So if you have weak and sensitive ears, um, listen anyway and then go cry about it later. Because well, I appreciate you inviting me because I can't <laughs> wait to hear them all. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll see. You'll, you'll hear me curse. But um, I loved – I grew up with the books. I actually read the first book when I moved right back to Mamu um, freshman year because there was about a two- or three-week period before I could transfer to Mamu High. I had nothing to do. We didn't have cable TV. We didn't have internet. 
Um, so I had a Game Boy Color with Pokemon, um, a PlayStation 2, and books, a library card. So I go to Mamu Library, which is nice. not big. You, if you've ever seen it. Uh, if it's anything like the town, it's uh, pretty extravagant, but uh, man. Yeah, it's a little sarcasm um, in there. You blink and you out. And I have a hard time finding books because I'm just – to be a book's an investment. You know, and if, if, I, if I start something, I like finishing it. So the same applies to books. Like I've, I've read terrible books, and it was a complete waste of time, but I couldn't help myself. Just like I've watched terrible movies, yep. even though I knew it was terrible. I was like, I got to finish it. I got to see what happens. Does it redeem itself? So I came across Aragon and uh, it probably won some award. The, the interesting thing was, is I lived in Montana. Well, the author of the book lived like 15 minutes from where I lived and went to the high school of the middle school or the elementary that I went to in Montana. So I was in the same town. Like when he, when he talks about Palancer Valley, mm-hmm. um, there's a place called Paradise Valley. I lived in... I can't remember the name of the town, but um, Livingston. I lived in Livingston, Montana. It's about a 45-minute drive from Bozeman. It's a couple hours from Billings. And um, we're at one of the gates of the Yellowstone. And the Yellowstone River actually ran alongside the the town. Well, mm-hmm. town, it could have been considered a, a small city, I guess. And um, But like 15 minutes away, it was Paradise Valley. And it's a valley, but it had a petrified forest in there. That's legit. And, and it's real. It sounds like someone read in the book, but I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't even know that really exists yeah. as yeah. far as that goes. Yeah, like the well, the part in the books where like they said they would send their dwarves off Absolutely. to punish them. That's where he got that from. Yeah, I would have so, never. Put just that a little together. bit of trivia uh, for you, you know. So it's legit. So now I yeah. feel like I should read it again, which is very I've, much an option. I've, but I feel I like mean, I'd have a new perspective. I've read sure. them several times. Uh, legit. I'm, I'm, I can reread. All books I have all the time because, like I said, I have a hard time finding new ones, so I reread the old ones. And to me, it's like watching my favorite movie, you know, just an extended one, you know. But um, love the series. Um, he really developed as a writer as he progressed because, I mean, the first couple books are more simple, and then the complexity and style of writing kind of grew. And then the newest one, um, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars, is a sci fi fantasy kind of. And uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. But you, if you don't like sci-fi, it might not be for you. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I didn't know I'd like anything that Paolini wrote. I didn't know what Aragon was all about. And when I kind of tapped into it, it was more about magic. And oddly enough, it's a book that kicked off my, I don't want to call it a passion for reading, because I do enjoy reading. But to say I read three or four books a year is probably a lot. Now they're going to be kind of long. And that genre doesn't go with, uh, I guess you can say, adventure, nonfiction, mm-hmm. or biographies. But for whatever reason, I could put myself in those scenes, which I guess is a testament to his writing and his craft. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed him thoroughly. He had some relatable characters, too, which mm-hmm. you could kind of tell. He was a teenager. Like, he wrote the first book when he was 15. Yeah. And it definitely kind of you know transcribes itself on you when you're reading it. Because when I first read it, when I was like 15. Yeah, so. Same. It's, so maybe you're it growing so up with the character. I think it's yep. relatable. And then uh, Roran, his brother, mm-hmm. Aragon's brother, uh, he's one of my favorite characters. His his character development is probably some of the best in the series because he doesn't have no magic. He's not a, a, an elf he's or a, a dragon regular, rider. He's, he's a, regular. a regular Joe Blow. Well, he's a strong motherfucker, but yep, he's a bull. He's yep. a bull, but you know, by strength of will and character, Agreed. he fights for what he wants. 
you know, and it's just respectable and relatable because aren't we all, you know? Yeah, um, I enjoyed that. I guess you can say, I keep saying trilogy, but I don't know what you call a four-book series, but it was enjoyable uh, to I say th- the least. I think it eventually ended up being the Inheritance Cycle. Yeah. It started out as trilogy, and then he, he updated the cycle with the fourth one. And there's actually a, a fifth mini-book. It's like 126 pages that is attached to that. So you might want to look at that. Even if you now you're just being an asshole because I thought I knew this, I thought I was no, passionate no, no, about it, and now well, 120 pages I haven't even read. It's it's God it's dang. like a little novella, and it's right after um he finds a spot for like all the dragon eggs and everything. Spoiler alert! I mean, fuck you if you haven't read it. It's it's been like 20 years. Since yeah, the first get book, it so, together. Um, get it together. But uh, it's fun. It's it's fun. It. It leaves you wanting more, is the best way I can say it. But it gives you some little interesting tidbits about certain Absolutely. characters. So, I never would have thought a 700-page book would have made me close and say, I need another 700. Nah, That's all I kept thinking. Nah, was, give me more. Yeah, not to outdo you or anything. But just just to, to contrast how many books you read, I'll probably read at least 40 a year. Oh, that's legit. And they're all... Five to seven hundred pages. Usually, there's some I'll read that'll be three hundred pages a book, but it's a four book series. Yeah, here's um, an odd uh, characteristic. I look for books and I have no idea why, and I can't mm-hmm. say I've been suggested many books that I didn't enjoy. So maybe that's just a reason to read a lot more. But a book with very few chapters that's long, I don't know why. I can't get into it because always, I guess maybe it's the kids. I know, like, I need stopping points, so I'm always like, I gotta finish this chapter, and then I have a distraction, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I gotta go, I gotta go. So, like, it bothers me, so, like, it's like one with a lot of chapters, but, like, I know I got stopping points, so mm-hmm. I feel good to go. But, yeah, I'd say Christopher Paolini was legit, mm-hmm. and then I went to the absolute, I guess you can say non-fictions, relatable, borderline biographies. I, I love, I love history, so, like, I, I feel you there. There's actually a book of... I might let you borrow if you haven't read it. I forget the name of the book, but um, the author is a guy who survived a death march overseas. He got captured as a, a POW, and I, th- I think that's what it is. It's, Unbroken it a, is very similar because that's it, all about being oh, a POW. Yeah. So you might enjoy that. If I could find it, I'll, I'll let you leave with it tonight. Down. Um, what happened was is every year for like the last three or four years, you remember Hunter Pommier? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's he's family to me too, nice. pretty much. And uh, so every year, him and our, our close group of friends that are like family, we rent a, a condo in Gulf Shores, and we'll go there for like five days. That's awesome, tapping into that old, uh, I guess you say connection. Yeah, there's a few people I wish I did that more with, but life, and I guess, is a, a right. reason to not to. I say you got to find that close group of friends, but I laugh because like I have two close groups of friends. And, like, they're not really mixed, but I would trust any one of them with everything I have and not even worry for a second about that's, anything. That's pretty special. Uh, it's – look, it is. It, I, I mean, I am humbled and loved and everything else by these people. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know. Some days I wonder, like, how the fuck am I so lucky? You know what I'm saying? I think it's but a reflection um, of you, but you won't it, give yourself that much credit. Well, so go with the dead baby look, jokes. I try, I try, I try, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, we we go to Gulf Shores and uh, to go through Gulf Shores. They have a uh, like a, a a museum that has a battleship and the um, 
Is it the USS Nautilus? No, I don't think it's the Nautilus. It's something, something else. They got a submarine there, and you can go and you can tour the battleship, tour the submarine, and then they have a bunch of uh, old fighter jets in a hangar, and you can go check those out. Like that, that's R seventy one Blackbird there. A couple other cool shit, you know. So we brought my kids. We brought. We all went. Brought the kids. Let them see. It. They never seen nothing like that before. And uh, but the author was there, and it was his book. I mean, this is old guy. He's probably in his eighties. He's just sitting there waiting on his books. I went shake his hand. Say, hey, thank you for your service. What's going on? And so he's like, oh, I wrote this book, and it, it's my you know my life account of what happened to me. I'm like, cool. Can I buy it? Yeah. All right. I think he signed it too. So nice. Bought it. Part of the home, read it, loved it. My wife read it, she loved it. So I think you're gonna enjoy that. If yeah. I can find it, it's either next to her, her bedside table or on the bookshelf. So I'm not gonna hold you to it, but I'm not leaving here unless I get that book in my well, hand. I'm we're, just saying. We're gonna we're gonna find it for you one way or another. So Sounds like a plan. And I hope I hope you didn't read it yet. So uh but I I love history stuff because it, I mean fuck, they say it all the time, like history repeats itself and it's very true. I don't give a shit about technology or whatever, like the mistakes of the past will keep coming if you don't learn from them. And absolutely, it's a life lesson in general. Yeah, we, uh, we humans tend learned. to not learn as much as we should. Agreed. We have every reason to know, and for some reason, myself probably the most refuses to learn those lessons that are right before me. Well, but I'm trying to be better going forward. My wife might not uh, agree with me on that. <laughs> I I try, man. It's we're not perfect, you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, man, books here. Kind of a getaway. Like I, I'll read at work when I eat lunch, and that's where I do most of my reading. Or if we're traveling and my wife's driving, I could read in the car, no problem. Um, some people can't; they get nauseous, but it usually doesn't bother me. Yeah. So I have a um, like an e-reader, a Nook, and I've got I don't know, like seventy books on it. And I used to run around with like one book, but I notice a lot of times when I'm reading, it's nighttime and I can't see. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I finished the book and I still have like, you know, four hours left on a five hour drive. Now I can't read because I didn't bring the second book. Yeah. So I finally, I broke down, got a nook a long time ago and I've been, I get a new one every once in a while. Yeah. I guess a lot like the chapters and people's going to be like, this guy keeps rambling on. But just to say the length of the book and the chapters is one thing. And then also I always like a series because I do love the feeling of wanting more, even though the heartache is inevitable. Mm-hmm. That, okay, this series is so great. I've closed the last book, and almost, not to jump to Netflix, that's it. And some series, again, you just told me about 120 pages that I'm missing out on. I thought that was the end. So it's like, now, give me the link. Read those pages. He's, he's doing this, this sci-fi series, and then he, he didn't close the book on the inheritance world. He said, he's like, I have ideas. I might go back to it later on. He's like, but I'm working on this now. And, I mean, he was relatively a young author when he started. Absolutely. So he's got the rest of his life. So I'm sitting here going, like, all right, give me these new books, like, right now. And and then, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy everything you write. No you know? doubt. He's no probably doubt. not even, like, the best writer I've ever read because there's some that are better. But, look, he does a good job. And I know what I'm getting. And He's kind of who captured us to tap into all this. That's what I'm saying. Oh, for me, like, without him, okay. even though the genre changed dramatically, I don't think if I ever picked up his first book as far as Aragon that I would have been passionate about reading in mm-hmm. general. And that started with I feel like Josh a book Morales. For, for everyone. Or really, Josh Yeah, Josh Morales was uh, somebody that told me about it, and I was like, I don't read 
or not repassionately. Weirdly enough, growing up in grade school, when we had to read and take a little test, I enjoyed it. Maybe I thought I was whatever. One thing or another, I was too cool for reading. Then when I read that, I was like, all right, I love reading. I'm passionate about it. And then it's a golf. You got to find the books that you love. And yeah. I think there's, I do, I think there's a book out there for everyone. And some people just either they had a hard time reading when they were younger or it's not manly or I, I, I don't know. Like I knew a lot of, especially in my movie, I knew a lot of people that just didn't like reading. They didn't like doing classwork. You know, like I'm sitting there going like, I know, I know you're smart. Like, I know you can do it. Why, why aren't you? Like, I think it's perception. I got a buddy of mine that I grew up with and I'm going to name drop him. I don't know if I ever hear this, but it, Robbie does tell. Oh, Robbie, but I used to, I used to hang out with Robbie all the uh, time. We love to hunt, love to hunt, live in the woods. And uh, recently, after all these years, he tells me that he loves to read, and he starts dropping names on me. Really? Yeah, he like, loves to read. Really? Yes. That surprises And, and very me. sporadic as far as I'd say similar to me, but passionately at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like when he reads it, he wants to be all into it, and it and it makes an impact, and it, it influences you. I, I say it surprises me. I'm not surprised that he, he's capable of it, like because I – I was friends with Robbie, like me and him would hang out, not probably not as much as y'all, but we, we would hang out a good bit. Like he'd come by the house after high school and he'd be like, Hey man, I'm going to Walmart and Eunice, you want you wanna come with me? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's go, bro. Like funny enough, I had a girl leaving my house as he's pulling up and he's like, Fucking dog, I'm like Robbie. Robbie, <laughs> you're the fucking dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you oh, know no, no. if, no, if no. you know Robbie. Yeah, if he listens to this, he'd be like, Yeah, I was the I'm dog. not I'm not gonna get him in too much trouble with whatever woman he's with right now. But, but no, he's, Ro- he's Robbie going... and the women were, were good together a lot in, in high school. So uh me and him would go to, to, to over there, but I was uh my parents went to school with his dad and then I was friends with Alec, his brother. Absolutely. And I'm more I was probably closer friends with him for a long time because we'd hang out and then um he would do venture crew with us and Kidder. Mm-hmm. And then his daughter, uh, his daughters, his sisters, or at least Valerie, would uh, come to venture crew too. So I knew them. And then, like, me and Valerie had like a little flirty thing for a little while, but I was like, nah. Yeah. And it's nothing against her. Just, oh, absolutely. Just being young. She was too young and the age gap. And I'm like, nah, I can't. And then, like, her mom was kind of super religious. Yep. So, and then I was friends with Ellie and Robbie. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I just, I can't. So, but we're still good friends. And I actually pushed her towards dating Forrest and they dated for a little while. So nice. But for the most part, I knew almost his entire family, you know, above just an acquaintance. Yeah, so, no um, and they're good people. And, uh, but he's, he was a good dude. He's a little wild. I had a lot of fun when he was younger for sure. But, uh, I like Robbie was a cool dude, no doubt. But uh, I'm glad he, he likes reading, man. That makes me kind of happy. I guess the brief on that development, and and I'll speak for him, even though he won't take that credit. He's a uh, proud dad to say the least. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, a proud significant other as far as with his wife, and dude's lights out. We close. You know, I'm most secrets. We mm-hmm. share. A lot as far as deep, as far as everybody has their battles, we'll share our battles. Yeah, and uh, yeah. he's a good guy to lean on. Everybody uh, needs a person like that. They absolutely. really do, man. Um, I think it's so important, especially when you're older. You know, you don't realize it when you're younger because I think you're just kind of flooded and surrounded by people that you know. Um, like in high school, like, I mean, I was friendly with everyone, but I only had a few close friends. And I was very much an oddball 
I mean, I don't know if you remember, but I'd say in high school, I mean, you, I was I was kind of doing you my the, own thing. I thought you, know? you were the gentle giant, but you were silent. And long story short, you were the gentle giant. I and was. now we the see how the only place I wasn't was in football, you know, and that that was just my were, outlet. You know what yeah, I'm saying? You were a bull, no doubt. Yeah. That's um, why I didn't play, cause uh, small white kids versus a big white man. man. It was a man. Oh, like, you played you played baseball. You were you were pretty good at baseball though. Uh, did you, you play soccer later on? I played I soccer when I was young. Yeah. Yeah, I played soccer when I was young. And mom, we had that. So it was baseball and soccer. Uh, did you play basketball? Yeah, long. <laughs> not to get too deep on it, but my favorite sport growing up was basketball. Really? Did like, you did EPYB? I did all that. I did EP. Love when when love I lived it. in Mamu, I did T-ball, uh, summer leagues, EPYB, and then I did basketball because um, what's what's his name? Travinsky Bellard. Yeah. His dad, Mr. Durrell. Mr. Yep. Durrell. Uh, he was my coach in EPYB. So. Uh, but nah, I would have played high school ball. I'm going to say Coach Jack deterred me, but uh, shout out to Zach Beatty. Nobody will ever hear this. <laughs> And then we had Ken Celestine and my boy Cheese as far as Charles Young. Y'all said I should run point. And I just said, hey, I'm going to meet y'all at the uh, the center, and we're going to run that Saturday mm-hmm. game because mm-hmm. I ain't scared of ball. I, I actually played basketball for Mamu High. Well, I say played. I was on the team for maybe a month. I, I, I started playing junior year. I think it's junior year. It might have been senior. I don't know. But um, I told Coach Jack I wanted to play. So, all right. He's like, yeah, you can try it. We're good. Uh, and that's when I started getting kind of uh, I was lean, and I started kind of bulking up. Because senior year, I put on like yeah, I 35 pounds of muscle. Yeah, I, I mean, wasn't I was, messing with you. I was a fucking, you like know, you without said, that 35, I, I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was probably, a, you know, like that was, I almost had a six pack, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was fucking rock hard. Uh, I worked hard for that shit, too. But uh, so I, I would, my grandpa, had gotten a rent house through tax auctions in Mill Platt. So he hired me and my first cousin, Devin, uh, Devin Dare. I don't know if you know him, but you know, Devin Dare or David Dare? Devin Dare. Actually, I think I do know. You might, or if a Jake Dare from Sacred Heart. Yeah, exactly. Jake Dare. Smaller profile guy, kind of skinny. Devin, like I was. Yeah, Devin up. is. Jake is too. He's. he's I know a, Jake. I know Jake well. Okay. No, yeah. No, no, no exactly. Jake's, I know exactly who Jake's, are. Jake's dad is my partner. Nice. So, yeah, uh, Jake's involved in that. That's, that's uh, uh, my uncle's first cousin. Devin, Devin and Jake are technically uh, their second cousins. Are my second cousins to him? I know who you're talking about. I haven't seen Devin in No, years. I have second cousins. That's my mom's first cousin. Yeah. What the fuck am I smoking? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I grew up with, with uh, me and Devin were closer than me and Jake, but we're all, you know, we're good. Um, but, uh, so me and Devin would go. And I mean, we had to do everything to this house, bro. I mean, paint the outside, paint the inside, sand the floors. Somebody was stupid enough to paint solid wood floors, like a redwood floor, with black paint. Yeah. About wanted to fucking die, bro. And like, I'm a guy. I understand everyone has their aesthetic. You don't paint wooden floors at all. Yeah. You, you varnish them, you seal them, and you let them be. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to find. I'm not even the most positive guy, so, but I'd like to think they look back and say that was a terrible oh, move. Man. So my grandpa rented a fucking a sander, a fucking, I don't know, it was a big sander. And, I mean, we got after it for days. It, it seems like I inhaled fucking wood dust. But that, we did that. We fixed some rotted boards on the foundation. 
painted the outside, uh, put some aluminum tar on the fucking roof, everything. So I do that in this middle of summer. Do that, and then I go to Travinsky's house and practice one on one with Travinsky and his dad for basketball. And just, I was all right. I mean, I held my own. You know, Travinsky yeah. did that shit his whole life, and I keep up with him. Like, I get burnt out. Uh, so, like, we'd be playing 1v1. I go up 4 nothing. We're playing the 5, and then I lose 5 4 because I just I run out of gas. Yeah, you know? no. But uh, I, I put in the effort. I was like, if I'm playing basketball, I'm going to put the effort in. So, I mean, I, sure enough, I got on, made the team, played for like a month, and then. Um, my mom got laid off from her job, and I was working a job at Young's supermarket in my mm-hmm. And that's still there or no? They're closed down. They've been closed down for years. For years now. Uh, but yeah, I worked has there. it became anything? The building is still just no, vacant. It's still there. Um, I know exactly where it's talking about. I, I know the kind of guy the owner is, and I feel like he's probably asking too much for it. If I had to guess, because he was always a pinch penny mm-hmm. in all the wrong ways, and it's probably why it ended up closing. In the long run, uh, I was working there, and then it basically came down to either I worked there or I played basketball. I couldn't do either one. Like my boss wanted me to quit. Like he put up with me, which, in all fairness, he, he cut me slack during football season, and then he was expecting me to come back full time. Yeah. And then I was like, I want to play basketball, and he's like, No, either you work or you don't. And uh, my mom got laid off, so I was like, fuck, I gotta work, gotta help pay bills, you know? Well, says a lot about so, you, though, at a young age and that. You know, yeah, it does. Uh, I've said it before in a previous podcast, and, you know, I, I didn't come for money. You know, I'm not saying I was the worst off. Uh, I had it better than some, worse than others, but I've had to work for everything I have. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, back then, I felt like it was only right. I lived with my mom, even though it was only, like, maybe a hundred bucks, you know, I was making five fifteen an hour. Yeah. Not even pulling forty hours a week. So I give her a hundred bucks out of my paycheck here. And that was half at least. Just to kinda of help float until she got her another job. So which I'm sure Coach Jack understood, you know. Yeah. And I was I didn't regret it, but I wished I, I could have kept playing basketball. Because I, I love basketball. I really do. It's just it's fun, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but football was definitely my, my stick, you know. Uh, I got really good at it senior year. If only I would have known what I known senior year when I was a freshman, I would have been fucking or or now for, to be that. To be honest, uh, I wish I would have played college ball. Yeah, I think I was good enough to play college ball now. Professional, probably not, but you know. So you found some of your passion about this. Oh. My timing wise didn't work out. I love best, football but, uh, to this day, man. So much so I wish I could go be a coach. I just don't want to be a teacher. I'll blame on that. So part. if I could be a coach without being a teacher, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Weird part Literally. if my wife hears this, she'll uh, probably slap me. But she knew I wanted to be a coach, but I didn't want to be a teacher. I could maybe be a teacher, but I just don't. It. I don't think I could deal with the politics. It's kind of like you're like tough love. Like I'm gonna tell you a hard truth as opposed to a soft lie. Political correctness. I would probably get fired because I would not keep my mouth shut when I should. And then, don't get me wrong. I understand I'm, I'm teaching your kids. There's a certain level of professionalness that you need to have, and I don't know if I can maintain that in a classroom. Agreed. So. I didn't want to teach them how to develop as a young man. 
and to yeah. be accountable. Well, and to accept that you might not be who your parents portray you to be, yeah. but that's okay. Accept your role and be part of a bigger uh, yeah. picture. Which, which and these could. days, it seems like you know, and like I, I, I want to do something that that helps society or just helps out the youth. Like I definitely want to do that. It's just finding what that is. Yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. And I mean, teaching could do it, but it, coaching would be what I want to do. Uh, you know, if I could, I just love, like I said, I love football so much. Fucking, you know, yeah. the passion stayed there throughout the years. Uh, but I mean, I played for six years. It's, you know, it's a sizable chunk, I guess. And I think uh, teaching my weakness would be number one honesty and have a soft spot for people. So anybody I see uh, struggling, people's going to probably say, oh, it's a good thing. That's why you should teach. But at the same time, I take it home when I. It would weigh too heavy on my heart, which somebody's always be like, oh, he has that in him? Yeah, like, I would be the one trying to fund a kid that came from nothing to give him whatever he deserves. But that situation just replays too often, and I stretch myself down. Yeah. Oh, hey. And there's teachers doing that, and I hate to say shout out, but. There's teachers that do that every day. We had some of the best teachers growing up, and I won't name drop them. Renee Aguilar is one of them. Oh, but hey, she's one of the best teachers. Absolutely. Uh, I gave Kidder his props on, on the first episode because yeah. I told him, I was like, look, man, you were he was a tough cookie on his students. Absolutely. But that, that guy didn't cut you no slack, and I still think I deserve the B in chemistry <laughs> and not that C, damn it, Kidder. I know you're going to listen uh, to this. Oh, he, he, probably, he probably will. I, I gave him his credit, though. I said, look, you were tough. But most of us loved learning from oh, you, absolutely. and like one you held the standard to me. And Renee was another one. Miss Renee, I only ever had her. I had her for psychology, and I think I had her for one history class. And that's the most notes I ever took in any class throughout any phase of school. I took two and a half years of college, and her class was notes, notes. But loved her as a teacher. She was awesome. Absolutely. Uh, there's a couple others too, but uh, those two really ha- held the standard for me. Miss Leslie was fun. The English teacher, Miss Leslie. Yeah, I agree. I hated she, English, but she was good. She kept the standard. But she was sure. fun. I was terrified. She, uh, she fussed my. She accidentally hit me in the face with a stapler once in her oh, class. Man, she still owes you. She don't know that. But nah, she owes you. it's good. She 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 hooked me up later on. <laughs> uh, I think some bonus points or something like that. She didn't mean to. There was a. a a bug or something flying around, and she went to throw the stapler at it, and you just fucking caught me right You're in the face. You're holding on to that story all these years later. <laughs> oh, hey, it's, fu- it's funny every time, though. Yeah. Uh, I always laugh at it. I'm like, I don't even know why. I got, I got smoked in the face with a stapler. That's funny stuff. But uh, she was a good teacher, and then she was working on her, uh, I think it was her master's while she was teaching at, at Mamu. Yeah, right. She taught in the library. I remember that. Mm-hmm. No. Did she? Yeah, she taught she taught my class in the library. Oh, she did, right? really? Absolutely. So, because I know Miss Buller also taught in the library, and she was tough as shit. Oh, mm-hmm. it's all good. You yeah. don't need to. But I don't remember, remember Kidder. Kidder. Yeah, well, Kidder's hard to forget. Yeah. But whew, school, man, it's been thirteen, almost fourteen years. Yeah, it's crazy. Think about think. that shit. It's crazy to think. Feels like yesterday we were having our little parade for our ten year anniversary, and that was fucking what? How it many does, years ago now? I don't know. It does feel like yesterday though. God damn. Yeah. I'm about fifty pounds heavier though, so that part is a uh, humbling to say the least. Man, the the food never goes away, and it always no. tastes good. I tell people out of town that all the time. I uh, 
I help run a, a sports debate page on Facebook. It's a group. Got, I don't know, 5,000 members, something like that. I've nice. been, been rolling with that group for seven, eight years now. Been helping that run it at minute or whatever with uh, seven or eight other people. And uh, I always tell like every all the people, if we start talking about food, I'm like, look, bro, so you can hate on Louisiana all you want, but when you come here, you're going to have a full belly and a happy belly because everything – we make good food. I don't give a fuck what you say. And I laugh because, you know, sometimes they'll post memes about white people don't know how to use seasoning. Yeah. And I was like, you ain't seen my fucking seasoning cabinet. Like, I got 50 different kinds of seasoning in that song, bitch. And uh, I don't know anyone who doesn't use a good amount of some kind of seasoning. Yeah, you know? And uh, I hope we don't tap into that uh, avenue as far as conversation because daylight might take us because I'm a... <laughs> I'm a passionate cook, to say the And the, the funny thing is, is I was a cook at Chili's. I worked at McDonald's Passion. for a year. I was a cook at Chili's for about a year and a half. And I don't really know how to cook that well. My wife does all the cooking here, mostly. I'll do some cooking, but, like, like she's the one that knows how to make the sauces and the gravies. And I kind of know, but I just, no one ever taught me. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, and it's funny I can't because. Really. <laughs> no, you can't. Well, because like, I cook. You, I'm, I'm going back to the first episode. Kidder even said it. He's like, it's funny how our culture works because in our culture, men are usually the ones that cook. It's not that women can't cook. It's just for some reason we have this thing where the men cook the sauces. Yeah. Everyone I know knows how to. And I'm like, I know how to. I'm just not very good at it. Um, for Kidder's sake, I sure hope his wife does a lot more cleaning than mine. Because, uh, <laughs> at my house, it's a lot of cooking. And I'll be goddamn if it ain't a lot of cleaning. And she knows that, and she's thankful for it. I just don't appreciate her thankfulness enough because I'm. It's still tough to tolerate after five years that I cook supper, hand it out, and after setting the sink probably a little too long, I had to do the dishes. But I feel bad. My wife does the dishes, but I do. I don't mind doing everything else. Dishes is like the one thing I just. I hate doing dishes, and I still I still do them. I hate saving clothes. I, don't I think like doing that's, them. I hate that's one of the clothes. hardest things about my marriage was was helping out more around the house than what I did because I didn't I was always I was gone most of the time and so. it's funny because when I was gone you live with other people that you're not related to that you're not necessarily even friends with y'all are in a bunkhouse and you just gotta clean up yourself after yourself you know it's professionalism I guess it but while you're not on the clock so I mean I was used to Washing my dishes, sweeping and mopping before we leave, you know, off of our hitch. When I come home, I just I don't want to do that shit. I do it all the fucking time at work. Why don't I want to do it, you know? And also, I just like I said, I hate doing dishes. So I'll vacuum. I'll take the trash out. I'll move the grass. I don't mind doing any of that shit. I'll I hope my wife don't hear all this because I'm not a big fan of all that. <laughs> but I'm not a big fan of doing the dishes or saving the clothes. But, uh, well, that's, I'm, that's I'm not a big fan. I'm either, evolved, but. I've been forcing myself to do more to help out more, which, hey, my wife is an RN. Uh, she works just as hard as I do. Mine too, if not hard. It might be sure. it might be in a different way, but look, she's just as tired when she gets home as I get as I get home. Now I do help out a lot with the kids. Um, not saying you don't or that other men don't, but like uh, I, I'd say that's a I uh, that's not a far fetched thing to say that some people aren't pretending to be stuck in the seventies where. The woman does. Well, Luckily, I, I don't know many of them that are. These days, I think men and women, just in general, are forced to, to put in both an effort, an equal effort, or close to an equal effort. And if they don't, 
don't think their relationships last. Agreed. I just don't think it's a, it's viable if only one person does everything, which is why I put such an effort into trying to do more because she works just as hard as I do. And she still does a little bit more than I do sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, well, my wife is a listener, but she sure as hell works harder at her job than I do. And also my boss isn't listening because I am trying to be better at that. And I am determined. But my wife's a bull as far as in the workplace. Mm-hmm. But if she had to do a few more dishes, probably would spot a little more. If you ever listen to this, I'd love you a little more far, babe. <laughs> she better listen to it. You tell her to go on Facebook and like this shit and share it. I mean, she doesn't have to, but. She will. Because over and under 10 times my, listening, uh, that's my goal. My, uh, my wife listened to the first episode, man. I got some corrective criticism, which is fine because I wanted it. I want everyone to be like, look, this is what you can work on. I'm trying to make this better. You know, absolutely. Like, she's, like I said, like, she's hard on me because hey, got my shoulders aren't big, but I can take L's all day. Hey, so give me those. That's what I'm saying. Give me all the criticism. Just be nice about it. You don't have to tear me a new asshole. Just, you know, give me the stuff that'll help me. and <laughs> Let me do it. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so she listened to it. And she gave me her Christmas. But she liked it. And I was like, well, that's awesome. I hope your wife does the same. Tell her to listen to it she and like it. <laughs> she will. She will. And I listen to it. If uh, anybody has an honest wife, I know you are, man. <laughs> and I don't know how nice it is, but you're honest. Oh, but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't like chores. I like mowing grass, but only once every couple of weeks. Yeah. Agreed. Some people are obsessed with it. Not, not I. Uh, once every two weeks is what I do and I always do it um, if it goes past two weeks I can't stand it which is really weird like I'm not normally an obsessive person about stuff like even the house like you can be dirty and it's fine but then one day it just clicks and it bothers the fuck out of me and then the next thing you know I clean the entire house nice. and I do this randomly all the time like so just okay so Today's the 8th. My birthday's Sunday. So January 10th is my birthday. Don't steal my identity. Um, <laughs> but anyway, my birthday's January 10th. It's this Sunday. So last year... Y'all do have the cake on schedule, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah, I like... Thank y'all. I, like, um, I think it's developing well. Appreciate that update. White white cake with icing. Very simple. Just make it happen. Um, <laughs> but uh, last year, I think my birthday fell either on a Thursday or a Friday. So I took two days off and took a four day weekend. Nice. So the first day I got obsessive about the house not being clean and I cleaned the entire house and I reorganized our, we have a walk-in closet for the main bathroom and uh, it hadn't been organized and there was a bunch of stuff I hadn't been through in years. I mean, I'm talking about like old pictures from, from high school and yeah. football stuff and everything. So it's been all day cleaning that shit on, on my birthday because it just bothered the fuck out of me. And then the next day, I uh, I hooked up with Hunter Pommier in Lafayette. We went to eat at Walk-Ons. Nice. He bought me lunch. Thank you, Hunter. It was a little birthday gift. We were just hanging out. I wanted to do something for my birthday. Yeah, no doubt. But everybody's working. It's a fucking yeah, no Thursday doubt. or Friday, whatever. And then we went. I went to Lowe's or some shit to look for something. He had a, one of them, egg barbecue pits or some shit. Mm-hmm. But there's like a, I don't know, it's kind of 
ceramic slab in it or whatever for the heat, and it cracked. So he was looking for something to to mend it. Gotcha. It's a special kind of you know Material. cement uh, adhesive or some shit. He didn't find it. Enough. He had to get it online. But anyway, so we went out. So that that was my birthday. You know, and I'm just saying like. Most of the time, it doesn't bother me. But when it does bother me, it fucking bothers me. It doesn't matter when. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, I'm, and I get on it. Yeah. So I'm more, I'm more about clean than I am organized. I'm not very organized. If anything looks dysfunctional, it probably is. But it's not dirty. And mm-hmm. <laughs> is that better? Probably not. But that is my weakness as far as that goes. I, I just don't like nasty, I guess you can say. Yeah, well, I think I think my first and foremost is is look. If I'm tired, wife's tired. Why, why the fuck are we cleaning? No doubt. Why? No. Like, okay, I do want to clean house. Everyone, I mean, like, it. I feel better when my house is clean. But if we had a rough week and we ain't got nothing planned this weekend, let's take Saturday off and just chill. And then Sunday we can clean or whatever. Which honestly, it only takes like half a day to really clean the house. No doubt. Um, now the kids are older, they can help clean up their rooms in the back, so it's not as bad. <sighs> but, um, well, I say Sunday. If it's football season, Sundays are for one thing. The Saints so and the, football. The Saints and football, and I play fantasy football. You play fantasy yeah, football, no, right? Yeah, no, passionately so, too much. Right. I can tell my wife how much I'm invested in it, but um, she supports it. I'm not. I'm only, right now, I'm, I'm $100 deep. Every year, and that's two leagues, fifty dollars each. And um, one of them, my wife was in, and she backed out this year. And I think the only reason she stayed is because I wanted her to be in it. Because ironically enough, even though my wife and I agree on many, many things as far as parenting is concerned and houses, <laughs> no, actually, she's a big Saints fan, like nice. with me. So it's cool. She knows what she's doing. Fantasy, like my wife would be the person who would not research any players. She would do like. Four or five mock drafts the day before the draft, and then she would draft a team, and then she would make the playoffs almost every year. But it's better than me. The only constant was she would almost always lose her first or second round pick to injury every single year. Guess who she had this year? McCaffrey. McCaffrey. She had the number one overall pick. She drafted McCaffrey. Nice. Last year was somebody Anti-nice, else. Anti-nice. Oh, yeah. But yeah. nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's consistent, apparently. She didn't make the playoffs this year, though. So, But uh, normally, she would make the playoffs. And finally, she, just, she was like, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I want to uh, want to play anymore. And I'm like, all right. And the only reason I wanted her is because we don't share many other things. We both read. And we do read some, some, some of the same kind of books. But I read at a different speed than she does and uh movies we kind of watch the same stuff but like i like watching horror and alien stuff and she does not yeah at all as, as much as i enjoy uh, aragon and that series I, i'm not big on sci-fi movies yeah. or even everybody obviously loves star mm-hmm. wars is the bread and butter of so many families mm-hmm. and a stork i I watched them. I ain't saying I didn't enjoy them, mm-hmm. but it's not something I'm competitive I think, with. I mean, I think she likes Star Wars. Probably not as much as me, but she'll watch it with me. Um, we watched like Game of Thrones together, uh, True Blood from back in the day. Like this series, we'll watch together. Uh, we watched um, Yellowstone. Yes, yeah, fucking amazing. And I didn't even watch the first season. What happened was, was um, my wife had COVID, tested positive, but she's a nurse, so like. She called it. So she told me I was going to go get tested in my works. Like, mm. doesn't matter. You got to stay home for 14 days. 
Alrighty then. So we're home for 14 days. And deep into some During series. quarantine, she started watching Yellowstone. And like, it, we always usually catch each other opposite because like, she'll start watching an episode when I'm already halfway into another one. She'll start watching a show. I say episode of show. And um, like what she's watching is something I want to watch, but she's already too deep for you. Too deep for me to start. So I don't want to start with her because I'm missing out. Um, so like we just kind of mismatch and then but Yellowstone I started watching it was like the end of the first season and then for the next two days we killed all the second season and the third season and we're done I'm like wow but yeah that was a great that was a great fucking series yeah, yeah. Uh, you know well if you haven't watched Blacklist on Netflix I'd uh, say that needs to be the next up it's it's on my list yeah. there's I watched it twice and it's only seven seasons so you can say I've committed to it. I would say that's a commitment. Seven seasons yeah. is a good bit, man. Yeah, I would. Uh, hopefully, my wife. She probably hadn't seen commitment like that in five years. <laughs> but babe, I am that committed. Use it's in the reserve tank. I promise. Promise. It'll be there. It's got staying power. That's it. Thirty it's, years from now, she's come, still gonna be stuck with you. Absolutely, can't spoil her. You need that like year nineteen. It's coming. <laughs> well, yeah, Yellowstone is rock solid, no doubt. I'm trying to think of other series that I'm uh, passionate about. And jeez. Um, have you ever watched How I Met Your Mother? It's an older series. No, it's a. It's kind of like a. I'd say it's a rom com. It's it's a comedy for sure. I don't know how romantic it is. It has romance in it, but uh, it's it's fucking hilarious, is what it is. And that's one show me and my wife watch. Probably watched it three times. I'm actually watching it again right now just because I got the, the the wild hair to to enjoy it, you know. So that one's good. Uh, what else? Have you watched The Office? Yeah, we used to watch a little bit of it. I watched Hell on Wheels, which is uh more about the I guess you could say the development of the railroad as yeah. far as I, it's an AMC take. show, right? Yeah, AMC. yeah, I've heard of it. I just it's, never got around to it. Yeah, The Hatfields and McCoys, which is only a three uh, episode series, but Similar genre, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. or just a vibe, and I do bounce I, uh, around, but I, I do love them at the same time. When I had satellite, um, I used to love like History Channel shows and Discovery Channel shows. Yeah. I mean, I could put it on the History Channel and just whatever the fuck came on. Um, which brings me to Netflix has Forged in Fire. I don't know how yeah. how heavy. I've watched a lot of that. I want to be yeah. a blacksmith. So bad. Till you get that crack in the blade? Well, I would just like to tinker, I guess. Yeah. I know a guy in, in, in Lafayette. Funny enough, I met through Kidder while doing his, his game uh, presentation. I met a guy, and he does a little bit of blacksmith, but I don't know if he did blades or not. He's just starting off. And he's like, honestly, he's, it's not that bad. It's like your, your most expensive thing to get is your anvil, um, which could run like 500 bucks. But you can get a blower for a hundred, and I mean hammers, you know. Yeah. And he said, you know how you start? It's like you, you heat it up, you make your own, like you buy some bricks and shit, make your own like forge area, put a, a burner in it, get the metal hot. And he's like, just make a thousand nails. He's like, that's how I started. He's like, I made a thousand really? nails. He's like, I just start making nails. Yeah, because it gives you an idea of how the metal works. The shape. Yeah. And just shape it until you you get that perfect nail, and then he's like, then you can move on to. Um, like, you know, door handles uh, or hinges or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, simple stuff, but a little more complex. And you just work your way up. 
Now, bladesmithing, I, I imagine you need to find somebody and apprentice under them for a little while to really get a hang of it. Um, one of my wife's uncles, he makes knives. Had a grandfather. And he man. does, yeah, he does everything from the blade, the handle, to the leather cases. He used to make some glass handles on them. It was pretty legit. Really? He passed before, uh, honestly, before I was born, but uh, I acquired one, I guess you could say, years later, much after he passed. Mm-hmm. And uh, just looking at it, and you could appreciate the craftsmanship that went into it. And, you know, it's effort that I can't relate to because I never, I guess, created one, but it's special. And it, it's not even sharp, to be honest, but it, it's special to me. Yeah, but that's, a, that's an awesome like family heirloom. Uh, my grandpa gave me... A Swiss Army knife that he bought when he was in Japan. I got it somewhere in, in storage, and uh, you could tell it's old, but it's just so cool. You know, I, I love it. I'm gonna pass it on to my son one day and just be like, "This is your grandpa's." My grandpa was in the Air Force. Uh, he traveled overseas. He, I think he was more of an office guy. I don't think he saw combat or anything like that. Um, service, service, those service, service. He did his four years. Uh, because it was which he said he's like well when you're that age in that time either you can get drafted and go do something you don't want to do or you could join up and do something you want to do so and actually both my grandparents my both my grandpas were in the air force nice. so nice. they both served um, but uh, he told me some stories you know just about getting that and, and how it was and I laugh because my grandpa will eat almost anything you put in front of him. He's older now. He's 88. He just turned 88. But um, he loves Spam and Vienna sausages. And I don't, I don't really like Vienna sausages. Spam, if you cook it in a in a, in a pot and make it, you know, kind of dry, I'll eat it. But it's not really for me. Yeah, same here. And I'll, I'll eat some pretty uh, off-the-wall stuff that people turn their face at. And some of them going to eat a Vienna. I'll just not eat. And they're like, oh, it's Vienna. You know, it's good. I'll eat a sardine all day before Vienna. And so people's like, I'll throw up at the thought of a sardine. I'm like, I don't mean, I don't like sardine either. I'm, I'm a picky eater, though, but. I'm not so much the same, but also don't have to eat much that I don't enjoy because I'm typically the cook. Not saying it's good, but at least it's the way that I care for it. I'm not, like I said, when I worked at Chili's, I was a great cook. But here, but see, I like everything. I'm weird. Like, I like my meat dry. Like, I'm the guy that has well done steaks. It is weird. Now, I can make a steak that's well done that's juicy to me. might not be juicy to you, but it's good to me. It is. It's weird. Like, I like my chicken it's pre- dry. It's preference. It's preference. It's, yeah. It all it is. Like, I like my chicken dry. So, like, when I cook stuff, I cook it. And that's how I like it. Now, if my wife wants a steak, well, then, yeah, I'll try to make it medium for her because that's what she likes. So yeah. that, that's fine. Uh, but if you're getting my cooking, it's probably going to be cooked a little more than you like. Not burnt. I mean, my pizzas get kind of close to it, but... <laughs> you know, just yeah, saying. I'd much rather a crunchy pizza than one of. I like I like the cheese when it starts pizza. getting kind of brown. No doubt. Where it's kind of like a golden crust. Agreed. That shit's delicious. Agreed. Which is why I like a thin crust because it can always have some bite to it. And yeah. I'd much rather a yeah. thin crust. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, and I'm not a huge tomato sauce guy. I eat spaghetti mm. and I eat pizza sauce, and that's about the extent of. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've had a uh, crawfish etouffee. I have to kind of be in the mood for that. But, like, too much tomato sauce just throws me the fuck off, and I can't. I can't handle it. And then it also gives me heartburn, too. So, I think that's half the reason. Oh, and I don't get heartburn. 
ever. Ooh. But if I have too much tomato sauce, bunch like of blessings. I get that religiously. Oh, if I run out of medicine, oh, mm. it's, it's a tough day. And it makes me feel sick. Like I start feeling just like terrible. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh yeah, I had a bunch of fucking tomato sauce today, yeah. and you know that acid acts like some lava. Man, I can relate to that way too yeah. much. So not too heavy on that. Like some people make red gravies. Sauce pecan or something. I'm like, oh, eat it. It's good. But I like my brown gravies. Like, give me that fucking roux. You know, no <laughs> you know? No <laughs> the cook down uh, onions and bell peppers and shit. And I don't even really like onions a whole lot. But yeah, well, since that food thing, I ate f- go for it, man. Tell, tell yeah, me about it. No, well, oddly <laughs> enough, I eat anything. I eat anything once. I probably eat anything a few times. I'll try. I'll try something yeah. once. And I. Anything, but a faux, or some people call it pho, as far as pronunciation, for the first time yesterday, as far as for lunch. And uh, it's kind of a comfort food, I think, as far mm-hmm. as overseas. It's uh, obviously noodle based and almost like a soup, but it had seasonings that I still can't explain, as far as it was almost a smell and a taste, but it was. Is it kind of like, kind of like curry? Or cumin, like not. I'm not saying I, exactly, no. but I'm saying like where it hits you on both those levels. Yeah, I'd say it hit me on both levels, but I've had that with Indian food that turned me way off. Okay. But it didn't at all, and I still couldn't capture what it may be. But I would eat it again, no doubt. Like mm-hmm. Monday, as far as when I go back to work, I enjoyed. I hate to say the experience because I didn't get to have no sake, and I was part of that uh, lunch deal as far as the special, but I had to go back to work. But I plan Um, on tapping into that on a Saturday and getting the full experience. But as far as that goes, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I get very efficient with my lunches, which means I eat the same thing over and over again for a long period of time. And right now what I've been doing is corn dogs, and um, Walmart has – Kind of like these mini vegetable trays where it has um, broccoli, carrots, almonds, and cheddar, and I'll buy those and I'll, I'll heat up. That. I'll heat up the corn dogs and I'll eat the the veggie tray, um, which I enjoy the veggie tray. But I was attempting to just kind of eat healthier because if I like if I go buy food eating out first off, I'm trying to cut back on spending money, and in fast food, I mean I'm trying to lose weight, so you know you want to cut fast food out. And I mean I'm not saying corn dogs are necessarily good for you. At least they're in the microwave and not in the grease. Absolutely. But uh, just introducing veggies, nuts, and cheese to your diet is beneficial. So no doubt, been doing that a lot. Um, and then the other thing would be um, breakfast wraps. So two eggs, two strips of turkey bacon, some cheese. Wrap it up in a tortilla. Yeah. Saran wrap it. All you do is throw it in the microwave for a minute. Good to go. Yeah, it sounds like money. my wife. Sure, my wife would make make me five of them on Sunday, or I'd make them too. I mean, she'd usually make them, but I'd make them too if, if necessary. And uh, just an easy lunch, you know. Yeah. And I try now these days. I don't even eat breakfast. I try to skip it. So they, uh, I mean, they talk about um, intermittent fasting. That's not exactly what I'm trying to do, but if you eat three meals a day and you take in three thousand calories and you cut one of those meals out, yeah. Not you're only having two thousand calories, and a guy like me, I could probably eat thirty five hundred calories and not gain weight because of my size and my diet. Absolutely. But obviously, I was eating more than that at some point because I kept gaining. So now I'm starting to lose. So I cut back a little bit. Um, it's funny because like diet and exercise. I mean, it's always funny when people are like, "Yeah, no, exercising just doesn't. It's not working for me. Like my diet's not working for me." I was like, "Look." To cut it down to the most basic 
understanding. If you put a thousand calories into your body, it's not going to absorb all of it, but it's going to absorb some of it. But if you only put 500, it's only going to absorb half of that. So if your diet's not working, it's not because your body's retaining all of that food. It's because you're eating the same amount of food. Or burn more than they take in. That's, that's, well, that's the whole ratio. You should exercise because it's good for a host of other reasons. But you don't even have to really exercise to lose weight. You can just cut your diet in half. If you ate half of whatever you're eating, you lose weight. Yeah. Same with me. And look, I love food. And I, I'm not good at dieting. And I eat as much as I want. Myself. So I'm not shaming anybody. I'm not trying to tell anybody they're fucked. I'm just saying, if you really want to lose weight, just cut your diet in half. No doubt. And I guarantee you will lose weight. And if you don't, you have those secrets at 11 o'clock at night, like me, going for that chocolate fudge pop tart I mean, and we're, a whole we're drinking, cup we're drinking of milk. beer. And if there, there's, there's Christmas candy that my kids have, I'll dig into at night, or cookies, or I love croissants. I, I love Ooh, bread. Yes. So like, I'll buy some croissants and I'll fucking sit there, play Call of Duty, and drink my beer and eat my croissants. And it's 12 o'clock at night, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't the good. worst time to eat. Yeah, worst yeah time the eat. worst time to eat. That's when I put them on performance too. That's when I yeah. kind of go on those battle shoes and it's pop tarts, it's whole milk. Oh man. It's, it's and I'm good at the it. The worst. God damn, oh hey, hey, I hear you, man. Um, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. So this is section one, listeners. Y'all hold on, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. This is part two. What's going on, Alex? Oh, I'm excited for it. I feel like we uh, just broke a little bit of ground, and we're just getting uh, into our stride as yeah. far as what's ahead. Did that first hour even feel like an hour? Oh, uh, it didn't feel like an hour to me. Yeah, but. I didn't even get a finish of beer. Normally, I'm at least four beers an hour, oh. man. So. I mean, shit, we must be doing well. I think so. I think so. All right. Um, I guess we can go with another question. Favorite movie. What is your favorite movie? Oh, man. I mean, you can list five if you want. Mine nah, change. I, I'm honestly not a big, not, not a, a movie terribly person? big movie person. I'd say Shooter was a great one for me. Okay. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Okay. Braveheart. Oh, yep. Mel Gibson. Gotcha. Yeah. Braveheart is probably... Very was probably the movie, and uh, probably Brian, my brother, for that. He has a sword tattooed on his uh, chest, so I was kind of uh, driven through it. But The Patriot, obviously, for I mean, Patriot's similar a reasons. really good movie, though. Um, yeah. It holds up, man. You, uh, well, like Top Gun. Yeah, no Tombstone? Uh, I'd like, so many people talk about Tombstone. And yeah, I, really? I would simply, it's not for you? I, I can't even say I watched it. Oh, okay. Yeah, people like I, I, I feel like never you, did. <laughs> you got a little bit more credit for not having watched it because if you would have watched it and be like, no, that's a shitty movie, I'd be like, what, yeah. what are you talking about? I hear um, people passionate about it. I'm just like, I just can't tell you I've, I've been in it. It's great acting. It's, it's a good story. It's a western. So I mean, if you like the cowboy stuff, it's good. But if not, it's all good. I, I like Top Gun. I'm waiting for the new Top Gun movie to come out. But if I had to get weird, I go like old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Fucking and I can still back, watch man. that. Home Alone, still gonna watch them. Like it's like Christmas, like Christmas movie. Like Home Alone, ain't Christmas. I'm like, how is it not a Christmas yeah, movie? Yeah, I'm like, it's uh, based on it. Like both, uh, both Home Alones are based on Christmas. Yeah, like, and I'm like, I don't give a damn what it is to you. It's the best. It's a classic. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know how you would say that's not a Christmas movie. That is a Christmas movie. No doubt. So give me some movies since I'm obviously not big on movies. Okay. You were uh, like... The Green Mile with Tom Hanks. I saw it. You, you enjoyed saw it. it. Enjoyed it. Great. Shawshank Redemption. Same same uh, 
Stephen King wrote both of those. You read them? No, I want to read them. Um, I'll let you down. Well, actually, I reading would probably perk you up. I've read two Stephen King series. Technically, well, one was a book. I think it was called Desperation, and uh, it's uh, I read it when I was younger. I was probably thirteen. Very graphic. A lot of adult situations. Yeah, I've only read one Stephen King. And <laughs> I read it at a young age, and maybe that was my uh, well disconnect. I guess you can say it I was did, a lot. I want to read Stephen King's It. Like the book series, I, I like I, I like the movies. Um, but from what I heard in the books, there's some very graphic. Um, how's the best way to put this? Um, child, I say child, preteen sexual situations in it. Oh yeah, that, that, and when I heard about that, it's her, like a normal person that kind of turned me off. Yeah, it's repulsive. I was sure. like. No, I'm pretty. Uh, no, no, like, and I really love the movies. Um, so I'm like, I don't. I might read it and just skip past, or or read it just to understand the context to make sure what they told me was correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the other series was Stephen King's Dark Tower series. It's um, it's a seven, it's a seven book series, I think, and they're kind of longish. You know, four, six hundred pages. Yeah. And that's probably one of my top five all time series. It's it's a, a what you call a high fantasy. So yeah. it spans across a lot of things. It's it's very intricate. Um It sounds like uh, the tea gardens type book that it probably it probably is, man. No doubt like a Kenny as far as oh, not so much time anytime if you hear this, we know your ass wouldn't read no books. Mm, no. You're, you're more playing on that uh I guess you can say Napster and LimeWire, but you are a hell of a DJ. But shout out to Kenny, Nick, oh, the uh, tea gardens that were very uh, – Oh, that house used to be f- so much fun, man. Yeah. I don't know if I ever saw you. I feel like I might have saw you. Oh, dude. we had to. We had do to we, link up do, Halo do, all the dude, Halo. Well, obviously Halo. Um, oh, Halo. Did we play basketball together, though? Because I know I played with – I used to play with them all the time. Cause, Tom is still traveling, if y'all wonder, yeah, in that pickup yeah. game. Man, shuffled his feet more than uh, the footloose. Ke- Kevin and Bryce would come over. Yeah, and we played. I know how much basketball – I played the hell out of some Halo over there. Yeah. Hella oh, Halo. And they were so good at Halo, too. And we'd link up the TVs. We'd play back-to-back. We'd have four-on-four as far as squads. Yep. Team BR's headshot. I was terrible at it, but y'all weren't. So, y'all were legit. No, they were good. They are probably better than me. I was stickies. good at Halo for a while. Oh, stickies. It's always fun to make somebody see that glowing yeah, thing no in their doubt. visual, and, oh, and they know it's going to happen. No doubt. So, um, yeah, that was some fun times. And I mean, I, I love Dude. Kenny and them. Uh, even just seeing him, like, when he'll make an appearance at the alumni softball tournament. Oh, no, Not no. to even play, but just to be there Good and vibes. hang out. Good, Good vibes. vibes. No uh, yeah, we got it for him around yeah. all day. Oh, yeah. And then his parents were cool, too, man. So, some good people right there. Agreed. <laughs> that was some times. Jeez. What? I went to – I don't think Kenny and them went. So my first concert I ever went to was in Houston. It was a Coheed and Cambria and a Vince Sevenfold concert. Nice. I'm now, you probably heard about a Vince Sevenfold. Yeah, I never heard of them. Okay, no. And at the time, I think I heard one song, which I ended up hearing some more on the way there because it was in Houston. So me, Travis Boone, Hunter Palmier, 
Travis's dad was our chaperone, technically. Uh, Kevin Richard, nice. Bryce Richard. We all piled into uh, Travis Boone's shagging wagon. I don't know if you ever saw it. I'm pretty sure I remember hearing just the term. Yeah, was, I, I don't it was think a, I've ever experienced it. Was it was one of those Dodge camper vans where mm-hmm. like the back seat would fold out into the bed nice. and it had captain's seats in the middle and the front. And uh, we drove that to Houston and we went to see it. And I knew Event Sevenfold. I mean, I think everyone at the time yeah. knew Event Sevenfold. No, I'm wrong. Event Sevenfold was awesome. And I think that's what kind of tapped me into. Again, I said Josh earlier, but they, I knew they read. They read a lot at that house. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, full of books. They're all very more, intelligent, man. Like it's way more as than laid give them as courtesy. laid back as they were. At least they seemed to be. Yeah, there were some smart people. Well, go ahead, continue. But nah, but just to say, like I tapped in them. That was something that I'd say that was more of my sophomore year, late sophomore to junior. I broadened my uh, just perspective. Not so much perspective on life, but like music expanded exponentially because of that household. Mm-hmm. I'd say books, when I'd hear him talk about books, piqued my interest. So I would tap into some of those books as far as on the sci-fi side. And just the whole Halo thing. I played games a little bit, but when I got to that, I was super competitive. And they were competitive in a way different way than I was used to have sort of sports. But at the same time, they wanted to win at all costs. Yep. And goddamn Nick T. Guard, you were still screen cheating every goddamn time if you listen to this. And my K... D as far as mole kill to death ratio. It was one to one. That ain't bad. That's fifty fifty, Chief. <laughs> That's legit if you're the fourth best on your team now. Deal with it. You were holding your own. Oh yeah. A train, you never really held your own, but you were young. I'm sure you done bounced back and done tripled that shit by now. But Probably. I enjoyed those days, fellas. If you ever listen to this, I enjoyed the hell out of them. I appreciated them. And yeah, y'all fed me a lot of nights and uh Tommy, you cook rice and a non-rice pot on a stove and somehow made it well every time. <laughs> and that is your call to fame. No uh-huh. doubt. Uh-huh. But uh, we went to this concert. And Vince Selfold was awesome. I, I think I saw Hinder at that concert. And they were fucking god-awful. And I know Hinder. I don't even know the other one. Oh, yeah. Well, so... Co- I don't know if it was a co-headliner. But Kohee played last. So, normally... Concerts, the person who plays last is your main. But yeah. I think they, they shared it. Um, but, I mean, I went in there as an Event Sevenfold fan. And I came out as a Coheating Cambria fan. Nice. And they put on an amazing show. And their their first six or seven albums is one long story. Not even joking. Like, That's and they, as soon as they finished that last album, they broke up for a while. Because they're like, well, the story's done. We're done. And they went and did their own things. Yeah. For, for yeah, they had a... They had a you know, a plant. They followed yeah. the plan. And I think they might be getting back together again now, but they've been separated for years. Um, but anyway, the lead singer would play guitar and he had a very unique voice. And I'm not going to, I don't think the voice is for everyone, but it was a good voice. And it was just, you could tell if you yeah. put that voice against a hundred other voices, you could tell his unique, voice. No doubt. Um, and I appreciate that musically. Um, but he was so fucking talented with that guitar. He would play it behind his back, behind his head, and then he played. He would strum the strings with his tongue, and not not even skip a beat. Well, that's guitar people in mind like Santana, Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. and uh, Stapleton which, and Country, which people talk about his music. I just I saw him twice live. All I can say is his guitar work, and I know nothing mm-hmm. about instruments, but mm-hmm. all I know is if they never said a goddamn word. I could listen to him until I drank enough beer and went to sleep because it's an incredible 
incredible thing that they can do with it. You Especially know, SRV, 12 strings. I try oh, to wow, pick up that's a guitar. crazy, man. I try to pick up a guitar, and I said, oh, my fingers are too big. Obviously, I knew they weren't too big because I'm a small-ass guy. And there's humongous men that play it and play it extremely well. Mm-hmm. And then when I ran across Stevie Ray Vaughan playing 12 strings, I was just like, yeah, I'm just a punk. Because I'm that's good. I'm just going to sit back and yeah, appreciate enjoy. what I'm watching. It's magic. Um, Santana's the best in my eyes. Yeah, which I don't even, I don't even know if, if he was on that level, but he was great. And it was a oh, great show. Absolutely. And uh, when you listen to the albums later and you start stringing the, the story together, it's awesome. Oh, no. You know, so it's a good listen. Gary Clark Jr. was another one I saw live that was, I thought, special. We saw him at Festival International. And that was before I'd say the world knew who he was. And from that day, and it was more of a blues side. Mm-hmm. The next three years, I didn't follow blues, but I always heard Gary Clark Jr., whether it be at the Music Awards and all that, he was playing. I was like, I, knew, I thought he was special, but I don't know music. But it was like just reconfirmation that mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. I heard, yeah, what I heard was legit. Yeah, I thought he was awesome, and then now it just got yeah, validated. Exactly. He's awesome. Um. I went to the Garth Brooks concert that played in Lafayette. I did too. Four or five years ago. Yeah, I did too. So what happened was, sure. what it was amazing. I, mean, I like his music, but his performance is just so. Oh, he, he's he's energy energetic. You're gonna you're gonna get the money out of your ticket no matter what. Uh, and I'll and I'll say this: I am not as much of a huge country fan as other people. In fact, I don't like it. It's just, I think rock's my main thing. And I'm a big country fan. I'm not a big fan of him because I don't know if anybody remembers Chris Gaines, but he did have an alter ego, and you may not even know that. I remember Chris Gaines. Yeah. I remember the ego. It was ego. an awkward, yes. Yes. And people like want to forget it and say he's a legend. I'm like, he is, but he didn't know who he, he was at one point. He's he's a le- Well, he was. He did Chris Gaines after he was famous. He already had Oh, out. yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think he was just trying to branch off and – the thing about artists is, is they're trying to evolve constantly, or the good ones, the ones who don't, are the ones that become stagnant, like Nickelback. Like, look. not many can't evolve and be amazing. Hate to say amazing, but you can watch George Strait. You can listen to him on your radio, or you can go watch him. He's sitting down playing music. Ain't no different than if you at your house with a CD. Exactly. On. There exactly. Ain't shit to, there ain't shit to recreate, and, um, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think Garth just wanted to branch out, and it did not work. Obviously, uh, we all we could all agree on that. But at the end of the day, Garth Brooks is one of the most accomplished and recognized artists in the world. No he has so many awards; it's fucking ridiculous. And I'm not just saying for just like his genre as far as country music. Mm-hmm. He has more awards than most prominent rappers do. Most uh, prominent agree. rock stars do. It's insane. But I said that concert. You went to that concert. It was incredible. It was amazing. It was He's just an emotional penny. guy. And, and he loves what he does. And you he can does. tell he loves what he does. And, I mean, he'd been doing it for fucking two decades, three decades. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I was working 7-7 at the time on the docks. And he was in Lafayette. And I think it was the start of his tour. And he was filming for his tour. So, like, he was doing kind of like a live show. Mm-hmm. I guess you could buy later on. I don't, I don't know. Well... I was working, and it was me and my wife's anniversary, so this was in May, and I wanted to take her, but I couldn't get off of work, so I was like, well, fuck, I can't, I can't go. Um, well, come to find out is there were so many, like, they sold out at the box office so quickly that he played for a second week in a row, 
So I got off, and the first thing I fucking did was buy tickets. I remember. There, it might have been three weeks. I know for a fact yeah. it was only supposed to be one week. It and, was extended for and sure. And it became two weeks. Yeah. It might have been three. I, but what I did was I bought tickets for the second week. Uh, surprised my wife. I got home. I was like, guess what we're going to do? Got the babysitter lined up. Brought her. She loved it. She was standing up, dancing, singing. And, I mean, I'm more of a reserved person when I'm out in public. So The energy I, was the energy I would stand was up. So, look, if, I, if it was like when the, the Thunder Rolls yeah. or uh, Baton Rouge, when yeah. he would sing those songs, I would stand up. I'd get into it. But most of the time, I'd sit down with my wife. She just stopped moving the entire time. Amazing concert. Yeah. I mean, if you ever had the chance, I don't even know if he, he probably – he might still do concerts. I don't know. But uh, if you ever get a chance, go. I don't care if you like country or not. That's a show. Agreed. I'm older now. It was now. way more than about the music. It was just what he put on. Mm-hmm. And you could see his genuine love for what he does. And I mean, it just. And he was good at it. And I think you could appreciate that on a different mm-hmm. level. So No doubt. And you see the stories of him connecting with fans of, I guess you can say, uh, that overcame. Mm-hmm. Loss, for sure. Cancer, for sure. And now he isn't scared to, I guess you could say, shut down. What everybody's focused on, and focus on somebody that's going through a hard time, and acknowledging mm-hmm. how they overcame something, and just basically empowering them to do more and mm-hmm. to keep fighting. Well, yeah, and I always love seeing successful people, you know, get to that level to where they they understand, you know, their their humble, their impact, and they 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 take the steps to to make that impact beneficial. Um, you know, and it's funny. I tell people all the time. Like, if I won the lottery, everyone I know would have money. Like I would, like and I laugh. At it. I talk to some people who are, you know, I'm. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm. I'm majorly religious, but I'm somewhat religious. Or I, I definitely believe in God. And I believe in Jesus, and I believe we're here for a reason. But I don't push my views on anybody. I don't. I'm not a mainstream Catholic or even a mainstream Christian. I have my own beliefs, but I believe in giving back when you have excess. So, if I won the lottery, I would tithe my 10%. I'd probably tithe my 11% for some back pay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But um, it might not be to one church. It might be to just people in general. And my wife my wife don't like me with that because I love to give back and I never have a whole lot. But if I won the lottery, oh, honestly, as terrible as it sounds, the people I know probably wouldn't be that great off. I love to tap into people that struggle that I don't know. I love helping people that oh, I that feel too. like they don't have anybody that I could just give a little bit to, and and yeah. they appreciate it because there's no reason that that her and I gave, mm-hmm. and not, not to toot our own horn, but we we try to give and when you not can. and not be known that we did. I've done and it. She supports it. I've done a it. Lot. Uh, I try not to. You know, I don't. I kind of like. I don't like bragging about it. Like I don't. Like I might tell my wife a good deed to advertise isn't, a, isn't a good deed. Well, I, and I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it to help somebody. Absolutely. And that's and that, you know, it ain't. I mean, yeah, sure, I feel good about it, but it's not about feeling good. It's about helping somebody and me wanting to help people. And I'll tell my wife about it, maybe, or like I think my mom. I've told maybe once or twice, but like I don't, I don't really broadcast it to people because I don't feel like it's something that needs to be broadcast. I feel like it's something everyone should do if they can. And I'm saying that as someone who lives paycheck to paycheck. Um, again, I don't want to toot my own horn, but let, you know, I'm going to go into that a little bit and, and talk about it. Um, so we had major flooding a few years back, uh, from a storm. It wasn't Katrina. It was after that, but like when Lafayette flooded, mm-hmm. Houston flooded, 
Cross frames and, on the water. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking oh, about. Yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole and, um, stretch. We had a lot of refugees in Opelousas. I was living in Opelousas at the time. They were at the rec center in Opelousas. And, um, I mean, fuck, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. But, like, at the end of the week, I've got $50 in my account. And that's got to last me until a week from then to my next big check. And I, I told my wife, I was like, look, I was like, I'm not going to pay these bills. And we're going to go. We're going to help out in some way. So we went to Walmart and um, I called the place and I said, OK, what what do y'all need? Because they had a bunch of people, you know. And um, so I called them and said, well, we need this, this is OK. Went to Walmart, bought five or six air mattresses with a, a blower sheets for the air mattresses. And then we went to the, the bathroom section and bought toiletries because they needed toiletries and a place to sit. Well, I spent 200 bucks, which might not be a lot to some, but the world to many, <laughs> the world to me, or it's, it's a bill that I could have paid. And that's yeah. to you. Just, it's the world to, yeah, and it's, and it's the world to them. And, um, like I said, do. I'm not saying this to brag, but just to give people an idea of what they can do for other people if they choose to do. Look, man, it, I'm not saying you need to miss your bills or put yourself in a bond. Uh, but I was at the point where I didn't give a fuck if I missed a payment. I was more concerned about those people. I felt deeply that I needed to contribute. And I did. And my wife was on board. She's always been on board when I wanted to contribute. Um the only other story I'll, I'll talk about, because um, I, I feel like that's important, too, is Christmas. Not this past Christmas. was It It was either last Christmas or Christmas before that. They had a little boy go missing around Point Blue. Yeah, I went over there, too. You Were, were you there? Mm-hmm. Okay, it so. sucks how it developed as far as the end result, but the intentions were. Yeah, you're, you're right. Amazing. But uh, I went. And what happened was, is I had I, I kind of heard about it on the news. I didn't really pay attention, but I went. I had Christmas in my move with the Dare, my cousin Devin, mm-hmm. and uh, he talked about how because he lives he lives in Point Blue, so he said he he had been out there the previous day. So he talked to me about it. I mean, this is Christmas Day. This is well Christmas Day weekend, maybe the twenty sixth or twenty fifth or something like that. So I said, oh, "Fuck, that sucks, man." So. Got home. It was cold. I remember just oh. thinking that that little boy was cold. Oh, I'm a, all I could oh yeah. So I got home and like the whole time I'm driving home because I'm driving from Mamou to Opelousas. And it's late. I mean, it's it's fucking nine o'clock at night. I'm driving home, get home, and it just I couldn't I couldn't let it go. So I literally we got we got to my house. It was probably like nine thirty. Said I told my wife, "Look, it's like y'all stay here. I'm going to the pub." So did the same thing. I went to Walmart. I went on Facebook. It was, um, what's the name of the group that was running it? Fucking, uh, the Cajun Navy. Yeah, they were tied. Same thing as the, uh, yeah, they were, they were there. They were there. Um, and they also helped with the flooding. They're the ones that took yeah, all no their doubt, boats. No doubt. They took all their boats. They Very went to, to Texas. Uh, I was in Houston with them. Were you? Okay. Yeah. So I didn't get to go to Houston, but. They were kind of involved, and they were they had a Facebook page, and uh, I think the guy who would leave, I say with them, I don't, I don't want credit. You went, they were devoted uh, for look, weeks and look, weeks. You only, went, you went only help for a day. Like I said, you went help, which is, which is all is what's important. Um, kind of like this, like I went, and it was the last day of the search. They found him at like three three in the morning, and I was there, 
out in the cold. And uh, so, but just to get back on track with the story, uh, went to Walmart. They needed Powerade. I got Powerade. Uh, they needed fluorescent vest, like work vest. Bought some of those. They had knit hats. I bought some knit hats, some gloves, some food. Brought it over there. Talked with people. Started getting to, to kind of talk with people. All right, let's go search. We started going search. Uh, I ran into my cousin Devin. He was uh he was with some of his friends. So he's like, well, where are you at? And I told him where I parked. He's like, well, look, uh, they have that gas station somewhere around there. I forget what it's Blue, called. But Blue it's, Junction, man? Yeah, the Blue Junction. Yeah. He's like, why don't you park your car there? He's like, I'll meet meet up with you on my side by side, and me and you will go together. So we did. And, and hey, I had, because I don't have like a heavy, heavy jacket, but I have some light jacket. I was wearing like four or five layers of clothes because it was cold. It was, it was, it was really cold. It was like I was there during the day, and it was really cold. Yeah, it was 40, night? 40 degrees that night. Wind, it was probably 15 mile an hour winds, but it was it would it would rain a little bit. So me and him are riding around side by side, getting rained on, one two o'clock in the morning, just to go help out, just to go help a look. Okay. We had like spotlights. We were checking fields. We went to so um, they had kind of like a little caravan of ATVs and side by sides. So we followed him, and they had a tip off that he might have been at someone's house. So we went to the house. We were looking under campers and shit. And uh, we went down some dirt roads, spotlighting. So then finally, uh, we decided to call it for the day. I was asleep on his couch. It was three. It was three in the morning. I was asleep on his couch, and then we were going to start back up at seven. Yeah. And then as we got to his house, I mean, it started pouring down rain, too. As we got to his house, they radioed us. They said, hey, we found him. I was like, thank fucking God. I said a prayer. You know, I was like, thank God. Because, like, you, like, this, this little boy was, what, eight? Scared. Eight, scared. nine. He was scared. Couldn't find out his, his family situation was bad. And he had every right to run away. Um, but, I mean, I have kids. I'm a father. It, it weighed so heavy on my heart. And I had to do something. And I think the measure of a man is, is someone who comes across a situation and decides to take the hard path. Because, look, I was tired. I went through a full day of, of Christmas with my family, and you know I'm, I didn't do it for me. I did it because it was the right thing to do. And if it was me as a parent and it was my kids, I would hope people would help me. So, you know, uh, I went out and I did my thing. And even though it was just the last day, I was happy. I I did what I should have done because I would have regretted not doing it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I guess to say something similar, but branching off of that. Go ahead. One thing about, uh, I know a lot of people have an opinion about the homeless. First off, the homeless don't choose to be homeless, even though we think they do often. And if you can, always contribute. I don't care if you think they're going to buy alcohol. I don't care if you think you're going to buy a cigarette. You don't give it to them because of what they might do. You give it to them because you have good intentions. And your intentions are that is going to better their life. What they do with it from there is irrelevant. Do it because that is what you feel in your heart. Mm-hmm. And you want to give them a chance to have a better tomorrow. If they don't choose that path, it's irrelevant. Do it because you can say when you went to bed, you gave them hope. Mm-hmm. And just always give yeah, them hope. Or even if it's just a half night of happiness, man. Fuck it. Go buy a pint. I prefer if you didn't. But, like, look. If that gives you a night of sleep and an escape from the hellish life that you have, 
go do it. I, yeah. Like, and I used to, I used to, when I was younger, I used to be like, why the fuck, why, why are you giving these homeless people, are they going to spend that money on drugs or whatever? Now I'm like, look, if you're homeless, obviously you got some shit you're dealing with. I don't give a what you do with the money. I would hope you would use it to feed yourself. Yeah. If not, please just take care of yourself. And, you know? And you don't know, that could be the one time that you change somebody's life. Look, man. Did you? You might live your whole life, give a lot, you may never change your life. But if you did... You made an impact that uh, you never knew and, and you could. I, and I said I would stick with the two stories. I, I, uh, I worked out in, in Houston, or about a mile south of Houston, working pipeline. I did that for like six months. And just to make a, a long story short, I was working pipeline. I was making 1100 a week. But, I mean, I was working you uh, fucking 12, 15-hour days, six, seven days a week for months at a time. Uh, and I stopped at a stop sign, and there was a homeless guy there. And he's asking for money. And I just hand, hand him a 20, you know, which normally most people might hand him a couple bucks, five bucks. I almost handed him a motherfucker a hundred, to be honest with you. But I was like, no, it's like I got bills. I got to pay two. And I can't just, you know, be stupid, frivolous. Gave him 20 bucks. You know what he did? God bless you. And he ran. There was a Burger King on the corner. He ran to the Burger King to go get food. Like that. That's 20 years ago. And I'll, after that, I'm sorry. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, because it's one thing because you give somebody money, you leave, you don't know what they're doing with that. And I say it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You learn it doesn't really matter. But it's, yeah, it's great that, you know, my contribution just fed that man probably for for a couple of days if he's any kind of smart with his money, you know. Uh, So I agree, man. Just do something to help people. Just give, give for the right reason. And and it's funny because we, I mean, we're here in the, the rural south, I guess you could say the deep south. We're, uh, you know, not necessarily religious. I'm more conservative leaning, but I'm more central in my political views. It just kind of depends on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I always hate that the mainstream left or whatever thinks that we don't care about people because it's not. It's never that, or at least the all the people I know, all the conservatives I know, it's not that they don't care about people. They do care about people. Um. Kind of like the Cajun Navy or whatever. Like these these people don't have to do this. Like you, you're calling those people. They're probably all Trump supporters, <laughs> you know. But these people got their own gas, their own butt boats. They took off from work, and then they drove to an entire another state, and they helped shuttle people out of danger. And these people were black. These people were white. They were Chinese or everything, and they didn't give a shit. They just helped them. Absolutely. And you're going to sit there and you're going to tell me that they're terrible people? Or that this world's that bad? Yeah. Or the, And that's why I'm like, look, when it comes to politics, people get very um, aggressive about their stances. And I think in the moment, people say terrible things or they don't think about it. Or some people just can't think about it because they're not capable. But when I see someone take actions like that and then someone else sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, you align with this political spectrum therefore you're a terrible person I'm like you don't fucking know that person and then to, to correlate that back to just being conservative like you know what's the difference okay you want to give everybody something free like let's say healthcare which we don't have to dig deep into it but let's say just healthcare free healthcare I think we could both agree I want everyone to be able to fix themselves right absolutely right Absolutely. Like you, you shouldn't have to worry about being sick. That's a stress. I agree. That's right? a stress that okay. being sick is hard enough. You shouldn't have to yeah. stress about so, the uh, repercussions. And I 100% agree with that. 
But what I don't agree with is us trying to do something that we don't know works, and the result of that is worse than what we were trying to fix. And I think that's the biggest separation between, let's say, conservative ideals and liberal ideals. Because liberal ideas, well, we want free health care. Well, the conservatives are like, well, we don't want to spend the money. It's like you haven't given us a program that works yet. And if we spend all this money, all we're doing is jacking up the prices of everything. We're contributing to inflation. And, okay, so now we have a shitty medical program, and we owe a lot more money, and we haven't really solved the problem. So we're hurting everyone in the long run for something that you were trying to do in the short term. And I'm not saying that's always the case, but like I noticed it a lot is conservative people are just we want more of a guarantee that we're going to help these people and not hurt them long term. Because if you help them in the short term, but you hurt them in the long term, you're not really helping them. If I give you six hundred dollars right now, but in a year that six hundred dollars is worth twenty five cents. And it's a band aid over a score. You're not accomplishing exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's just like education. I don't have a problem with free education. But we need to understand all the positive and negative benefits and repercussions of a free education. That there's results that are trending in the right direction that is being funded. Let's fund it. Let's see an increase in the results. And then, yeah, let's continue to fund it. Okay. Well, I, I think one of the first things we could do is just make colleges more efficient. Like, first off, they're charging way too much money. Agreed. Okay. Um Okay, my wife graduated. I'm not going to say from where, but she, she graduated. Um, and it was, a, it was a great nursing program, one of the best in the nation. Um, she graduated as like a, I forget what it's called, but it's like an AB student or whatever. And so she paid tuition for, because nurses, I think it's like five years, because you got to do an extra year of clinicals before you, you get your degree. So she, she paid tuition for all that, Okay. Um, and then time to graduate, it costs $500 for her diploma to get her diploma to pay for it. $500. You've proven the investment's valid and now you got to spend another five. That's what I'm saying. Like, so you, you, you paid five years of tuition at a place that's not a community college. It's a, it's a, 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 a known entity in, in America. It's one of the best. So, like, the tuition is not cheap. You pay that for five years, and y'all can't spring for a diploma that probably doesn't cost $500 to make. But and I'm sitting there going, like, well, how are you taking advantage of these people? They gave you five years of their financial life and freedom, and probably longer than that with student loans. It showed you it was worth it because here's yeah. the result that, hey, I made it, and then yeah. you're going to squeeze them for the little yeah. bit left they have yeah. or might have, and some people don't have. Well, even if they have it, so fucking what? Like, yeah. It's a head start on where they're going. That's what I'm saying. It's it's utterly stupid and just I can't I can't stand it. Like uh, I had a, I had a buddy of mine who was going to be a um, he was trying to get a financial degree to become a CPA, so doing like taxes and, and financial stuff. And I think he had like one year left, and they changed up the curriculum required to get his degree and he ended up having to take another two classes, which put him back another year. And I'm sitting there going like, okay, so at any point in time, a college could just say, no, we changed the requirements for your degree. Yeah, I think that's crazy. And you got to take another year of classes. And that's, that's when you start as a timeline you have that you, yeah. that you plan out for. Yeah. And 
It's almost like a contract. That contract shouldn't change. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Or, or the school should be smart enough to be like, all right, this is the cutoff date for these applicants for this degree. And then after this year, they're notified, hey, these are the new requirements. So you stop the old people from having to take another year, and then you're setting a standard for the new people. Anybody after this date that starts in this course has has to take these classes. Mm-hmm. But instead, they're like, nah, we're, we're just going to take the extra money. You know, and I, and I think it's stuff like that. You get rid of that, and you're cutting off some of the major cost of college. And another thing is books, man. College books are – look, and I understand it costs a it's lot r- to make those it's books. It's robbery. It's, but it's robbery, and it's not just that. Okay, so I, I did two and a half, three years of, of college. I went to LHUE and SLCC. And I would buy, you know, at the time, it, you know, well, here's your list of books. So you go out, you buy, I was taking like five, four or five classes, bought books. Every class had a book. Only one class would ever use the book. That's four books I paid $1,000 for, and I never used them. And the teacher never even bothered to say, hey, look, you don't really need the book. We had a teacher who was a statics class. Last name was Hibbler. Brilliant, brilliant man. Probably one of the smartest people I've probably going to run across. But he had about 17 versions of the book as far as that he, he produced his own book that he taught the class of. Mm-hmm. And a bonus was if you can catch corrections in that book, Obviously, it had to be revised. Every correction you can get, over, I think, a 30-year span, you had 17 versions. So I'm sure it took multiple corrections, but very few corrections mm-hmm. you can catch. But, I mean, that book was 220 bucks. Mm-hmm. So there's 17 versions. He's capturing less than a handful of corrections mm-hmm. to create a new version. I'm sure he had a new picture, a new color, and all that. But the concept never changed. Mm-hmm. So 220 bucks to capture very little change. And then, I guess in a college, you could say rut, everybody falls in. You need the most recent book. Mm -hmm. But at one point, I had a, like, four-year-old version, and I wasn't any more behind than the Mm -hmm. person with the most recent. And I still paid 100 bucks for that. Yeah. So, you got got a discount book for $100. Yeah. And instead of the 220, I'm sure 240 after taxes, that was the most recent, which the concept and the... The math didn't change, mm-hmm. but everybody falls into I need the most reason to take that class, yeah. and well, isn't true, and it's a robbery. Hundreds of robbery, much less two twenty, two forty. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, so if you could cut some of that dead weight, like, okay, so student loans, you you want to get rid of student loan debt? Well, then make it to where students aren't taking out all that money that they don't need to be paying for an education, or hey, I don't know which look. I, I think, I think I it's the success rate versus the fail rate. Well, thirty—I think it's like thirty percent of people who—it's who, like thirty or forty percent of people who start going to college do not finish with a degree. That's a lot. It was more than that. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought so too. I think I looked it up. It's at least thirty to forty. It might be half, but that's still a lot, though. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I mean, imagine if if. You know, our country as a whole had to foot that as a bill. Like, every year we're going to pay for your education for free, but a third of y'all aren't going to finish. So you're basically wasting taxpayer money. And some people sit there and argue, well, the free education is worth that 30%. And I mean, I'm not going to say it isn't. I'm just going to say is why can't you be more efficient with how you, you carry that out? 
Uh, my idea was, okay, you want to go to college? Pay for it. If you don't finish, you you pay for it. Agreed. I think I, I love the. It's idea. basically like a voucher system. Just like, look, we got you, but if you don't finish, you owe us everything. Everything we paid for, you owe us because all you had to do was finish. And the other thing is, is priming students before they meet college level. Which I think when we were in school, they gave us information. It's not like we didn't. Not a lot. Um, I agree 100%. You talk about more financial situations in high school because you're in a big boy world. and Yeah. Well it's a, it's I had a, no concept. Luckily, I had support, but I had no concept. It's a huge gap. I think my struggle is, is okay, so maybe in some areas, as far as books are concerned, I was a little bit brighter than others. Um, but I, I knew people who just didn't give a shit about finishing high school. They didn't give a fuck. No they doubt. didn't care. Like, they were being forced to be there. And it's like... you. If you can't even care about getting your high school diploma, like, where are you going to be 10 years from now? Absolutely. You know, and I'm like, and, and, and I see that, and you got all these people, oh, well, you got terrible teachers, like, or, you know, terrible school systems. And I'm like, okay, look, so I live in Louisiana, okay? Our state's one of the worst in education in the United States. But half of the people I was in school with did not give a fuck about high school about test about nothing and it doesn't matter how good a teacher is if the student doesn't want to learn there's nothing you can do to stop that and i don't know if it's the mentality of our culture from when we grew up we had a lot of farmers and we had a lot of awful guys and they all knew that that's what they were going to do as soon as they got out of school so they didn't give a fuck about books or education or anything like that and it, it shows but even with that being said it's like you they could have given us better information. They could have said, hey, you don't need to be a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer. Go to technical school. If I, you if know I, what we need? We need plumbers. We need electricians. And our kids, in my opinion, 10 years, I guess it'll be a little longer now, an electrician, a plumber, anything to do with hands-on is a exponentially dying mm -hmm. a plumber will name his own rate in my opinion in 15 years yeah because everybody wants automated you can't automate plumbing nope. plumbing will always be well, a manual it's just process like electrician it's just like building it's, it's just like welding trust me it you need people to do it and you're right like as, as the numbers are going I, I i talked about this in the first episode but we're gonna touch on it again in detail um in 20 years we won't have enough of those people if it goes like it's continuing, They'll which their maybe it won't. But the point is, is look, there's nothing wrong with, with bringing kids up to believe that they should go to college and make a better life for themselves. But you could also say, look, all I want you to do is grow up and have a better life. If college can do that for you, great. I want you to go do that. I'll try to help you to do that. But if you can do it through trade school. Or hell, even if you can just do it going to work in your field right out of out of high school, just that small step forward could help you exponentially 10 years after the fact. Agreed. I think brilliant is a word that I guess people hear and they think it's uh, extravagant, but I've seen some of the most brilliant people without a college education. I've seen some of the most brilliant people without a true trade school education. My, I worked with some of the greatest machinists that I feel I can run across and that I would take their opinion over mine. Every day, and they say, I'm not an engineer, and I would argue with them that you are. You, you're yeah. wiser than if 25 years mm -hmm. of this experience, 
25 years of that experience will trump anything I do for at least 25 years. And, and that's if I do it well because they do it at the highest level. And it's, it's funny because, like, I'm, I'm more of what you would call a book smart kind of guy. I have some common sense, but uh, there's some things that just go over my head. I know who I am. I know where, where my faults lie. Um, if you tell me one thing, my brain reacts. Okay, like if you told me I want you to go fix that thing over there, I can give you five different ways I could potentially fix that thing. I, if I don't know the right way, I can give you five. Common sense would tell you it's only one, but I can give you five. That's the difference. See what I'm saying? So I'm lacking common sense, but it's not that I don't know. It's that there's five different ways in my head I could do that. I don't know which one's the right way, and I don't want to choose because I could fuck it up. So I need you to give me the, the way you want it done. Not the way I think, because I'll pick one, but I'm not 100% confident in it. And that's where I differ, because I know a lot of people who, common sense, you tell them to go fix it, they know exactly what they need to do. Or it's just easy to where me, my brain just splits off. But I'm ADHD. I always been. My attention span's kind of everywhere sometimes, you know. And uh, my brain just works that way. I give you five different ways to do almost anything. I just don't know which one's the right one. You know, whereas some other people, it's the opposite. Or okay, so like my uncle, my, my mom's brother, great man, hardworking, terrible in school, probably one of the smartest cats I ever fucking met. He can go build you a house. He can weld you whatever he wants. He can fix his car. He knows so much shit. It's ridiculous. And if he doesn't know, he asks. Don't matter. He asked when I was younger. He's almost, well, he's in his mid-50s, upper 50s now. Almost 60. And if he doesn't know, he asks. Computers, it don't matter. You know, some older people, they don't, they don't like technology. It don't stop him. So... You know, I guess another thing to say is when it comes to education, some people are book smart, some people are common sense smart. And that's why I say you can be intelligent in an area and it might not be a mainstream area, but you're still intelligent. Absolutely. So, hey, and look, there's some people that aren't intelligent any which way. Yeah, exactly. I don't and, on the same token that there's people that, uh, I guess, by the book seem sharp they seem intelligent but all they did was commit an exponential amount of time and are they they're it's not the fact they're not smart but you commit 80 percent of your life and time to something and you devote it some people have hobbies some people just commit that same time to studies you're gonna look and reflect to me that you're more knowledgeable than you probably are and there's some people that really don't commit anything to it but they're sharp and mm -hmm. Not committed to their studies, but at the same time, they can teach you anything about mm -hmm. literally anything. Yeah, and I think I think my point is is just <laughs> we've been saying it all night. Keep keep yourself humble, man. Like even if you know you're intelligent, even if you know you're a genius, you might come across someone who knows something that you don't. And there's so much information in the world that that's very likely. As they say, there's always a bigger fish. There's a, there's going to be someone who knows something that you don't know. So. Don't treat people like they're second class or lesser or or stupid. You know, and look, hey, I'm, I've, I've said some shit where I'll call somebody a dumbass or whatever because they did something stupid. But look, it's not that I truly think they're a dumbass. It's just they did something in that moment of time that frustrated me, made me angry, and I responded. Um, 
but you know, we, we have, especially with the political climate and everything else, you have these people who make base assumptions off of the loosest things and they try to box you in into this, well, you're this. I'm like, no, I'm my own person. You don't even know who I am. You know one aspect about me that I told you about, and you're judging my entire life based off of that. It's just fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, just like intelligence. Like, like, look, okay, yeah, you didn't make straight A's in school. That doesn't mean you can't know how to do something or know better at something than I do. Uh, so, I mean, I guess my, my lesson is, uh, you know, Give people the benefit of the doubt until they they show you something otherwise. No doubt. And I guess one thing that uh probably didn't hit me until I was about 24 was my dad always says, shut up and listen every now and then. Well, you shut up and listen, you can learn a lot. And uh, I guess I could say I was very narrow-minded when you bring up politics. I mean, not that I uh, agree and align with everything, but somebody like Brancher McClendon, somebody like Lorenzo Richard, some people that seem to be so... I guess you can say different. If you listen to their message, it has great intentions. It might not align. It might seem extreme, but it's for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And will they always make sense? No. But keep an open mind and realize that just because you think a certain way doesn't mean it's the right mm-hmm. way. There needs to be common ground. So even whatever you don't agree with, just realize that there's something in the middle that makes sense, well, and it ain't just what you think. Even if there isn't something that you can agree on, learn how to agree to disagree. Absolutely. Evolve. Okay. And, and one of the main reasons I started this podcast is not only because of this conversation. You know, I, I felt like one of my favorite times in my life was getting together with my buddies at the bar, drinking some beers, and having these complex conversations about everything. Oh, well. And you just kind of feeling about how you feel about stuff. And, and so I wanted to do this is have different people on and have these in-depth conversations and to also try to build bridges with someone who I might not agree with, you know, like so far, I mean, me and Kidder, I've been knowing him my whole life. So that, that was an easy conversation. You same thing. I mean, we're, we're not, I want to say we're best friends, but we're friends and we respect each other. We respect and- each other and we're getting along pretty well. And eventually I'm going to have people on who I don't agree with. It's my goal. Like, I want someone who can push me and I can show people this and I want to have conversations. I want to find common ground. Or even if we can't find common ground, just say, look, we don't agree. Let's just move on. Absolutely. And if that's fine. Uh, um, I hate to uh, drop JRE, but uh, if anybody follows Joe Rogan. Oh, hey. He's, the, he's the most, uh, I guess you can say, well receptive. He's the he hears the most extreme of extreme, and he doesn't judge it. He tries to understand it. And it, not so much that he wants to agree with it. He just wants to see how that mind works mm-hmm. and respect their approach. And also, yeah, it's probably not for me, but that's not crazy. There's mm-hmm. no such thing as crazy because you're passionate about it. As long as you're passionate about it, you can't be faulted. And he, he was the inspiration for this podcast. Uh, I've had people tell me, hey, this is very Joe Rogan-like podcast. I'm like, yeah, it's, it pretty much is. It's just my take on it. But, you know, um, he's one of the reasons I started this podcast. If you listen to him, I've been listening to him for four or five years, every episode. And what does he tell everyone to do? Go make a podcast. So he was number one. Number two was uh, my buddy Travis Boone. He started a horror podcast where he inter- like reviews horror movies. Um it's called the nightclub people. I'm plugging it in right now. Uh, Travis Boone, his wife, Angel. Check them out. Uh, his friend, Ricky. Check them out. Listen to them. Like them. They're on Facebook. They're on 
a, a ton of apps. Just just go listen to them. Give um, people give them a look. Yep. And uh and he made a podcast and he literally hits the record button on his phone, puts it in the middle of you. I've done I've done an episode with them. Um, they talk. You know, he kind of stages out. He edits it later, and uh, he puts a lot of work into it. But it wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it would be. I guess. So my next step was just trying to find out what works for me, you know, because not everyone's the same. So I bought this mic right here. It's a $25 mic on Amazon. I would have thought it was about two fifty, but it's oh, legit. Shit. Yeah, it, it works. Uh, it looks like I have a recording program on Windows, a base recording program. That's what I use. Uh, I pay for an editing service that just does the vocals to make it clear. And that's nice. it. And I'm not – eventually I plan on buying an actual editing program and learning how to use it. But – be for another day you know no for now i just want to get this established um but the point is, is i want this kind of conversation and, and joe rogan's a huge inspiration because of that because he's so willing to sit down with people he agrees with doesn't disagree with and he has an open mind with and that's the hugest you know i say hugest, this is the biggest thing you should do is have an open mind even if you know you don't agree at least have that conversation even if you've had the conversation before have it again if you think you might learn something from it or I'm just saying, if you know you're not going to change your mind, talk about something else. <laughs> I mean, you can. Um, I feel like if it makes you that uncomfortable, you should probably invite more people that have that opinion. Because there's no reason <laughs> that you shouldn't be able to relate and, I guess, walk away from it understanding, comprehending, and uh, not being sympathetic. But just simply saying that if somebody's passionate about something, it's not that wrong. Mm-hmm. Because if your heart's into it. You can't yeah. be faulted for it because, yeah. I mean, that's what you believe in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, I mean, there's exceptions, but there's always exceptions. Uh, I don't I don't know. I hate to oppose you on this thing, but I feel like if somebody's passionate or something, we might not be able to relate to it. When I see their angle, we're going to try to. But if you're passionate well, something. Well, I'm saying the exceptions are probably the most extreme exceptions. Like, yeah, there I, ain't nobody that's going to be like, look, Hitler, I know you were passionate about killing Jews. Touche. You know, but, but like those are the most Touché. extreme situations. Correct. Like, Correct. I'm I'm sorry, I can't sit there and be like, look, I understand you hate all black people, but but we'll find con- like no, like no, I can't. Yeah, that's that, that's can't a tell, that's a tell. line. There, there, what I'm saying is there are lines that can't be crossed. But I Absolutely. feel I feel like the current political day climate is making the simplest things those lines when they shouldn't be. Absolutely, and that's the problem. It's it's look, we can all agree there are certain moral things that should never be done. Like, you know, like we said, like child abduction or, or rape or, or murder. And like, I don't think you're going to find anybody in America who's going to be like, oh, no, that's OK. No, fuck that. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny how our justice system works because, you know, they're like, no, you can't kill them. You've got to send them to prison. But at the same time, like, depending on what state you're in, the judge will be like, um, days served you, you spent two days in prison okay time served you're good leave yeah. and you can't really blame them because that's just unacceptable you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um, but the point is is we can't make every little thing a line and that's what politics is doing they're making everything a line they're they're saying oh well if you're not with us then you're against us and it's like no bullshit like w- w- are we both americans Yes. Do we want, both want America to thrive? Yes. Yes. Okay, so then how am I against you? Our overall goal is the same. But how we get there is what's different. It's just like healthcare. They want free healthcare. They want it right now. 
I don't mind having free health care, but give me something that I know works. Because right. if you put our country in debt and we hit a recession and we can't come back from that and millions of people die because of that, right. I'm not okay with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. And I guess uh, I've got across <laughs> some pretty, uh, I'd say, special in their own way. One of them comes to mind, and we'll never hear this either, but Rufus Seurat. He's an older guy from Ville Platte. He's uh, served time for reasons I don't think it had just, especially for the duration. And mm-hmm. I always thought when I would see his pose that he was uh, a bit radical and anti-police at one time. And him and I had talked at length on the phone a few times that I thought he was borderline racist. But in reality, I didn't understand what he had been through in the judicial system. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how he served <laughs> What I feel is way, way too much time for very, very petty reasons. So he should be angry because I feel mm-hmm. like that system let him down. But after the conversations, I feel like also his tone shifted and mine shifted way more than his. And now he uses his time to better his community in Ville Platte and also just to make an impact and bring awareness of be mindful of the image you portray, whether or not you want to portray it. People are judgmental and at some point, people have to make a decision as far as the, the actions you portray. They have to judge because, in a sense, it's their occupation. Is it fair? Absolutely not. Was mm-hmm. he always truly fair? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But he didn't use that to get angry. He used that to develop people around him. Yeah. And he's only bringing exposure to it, and he's making people around him better. Some people think it's a bad thing. People, I think, that understand them and just know his intentions I think well, it's a beautiful thing. He, here's my, my thing about and, and uh, we're about to take a break, and then we'll, I want to hit this this subject again, specifically the system and and police and everything. Uh, but to comment on him, um, I don't know the guy. I don't think I've even heard of him. But I think the idea that he went through all that strife, and at the end of it, he's still trying to help people yep. is extremely commendable. Um, and then I think the other side of that is, with the exception of a, a few types of people, um, Hitler type people, I would say prison should be about redemption. You should be punished for your crimes, but it should also be about redeeming you of what you did and making you a better person and giving you a, a second lease on life. Because if you're not trying to help those people grow and better themselves and be a benefit to society, you're not doing it right. And even more power to those that faced sentences that are harsh beyond what I feel is yes. fathomable. And instead of using that to become angry, you do it as such he is and using it to empower, to bring awareness mm-hmm. and just literally better off their community, which obviously Vilplat, not to speak poorly of, I mean, we, it could be better. Vilplat, it could be a lot worse. Vilplat is a rough place um, for some people, for y'all that don't know who's maybe not from this area. Um, Vilplat's got its issues. It's got some good things about it, too. Absolutely. But uh, they've been through some rough patches, and uh, they've got some rough neighborhoods, and uh, their police are struggling right now. They're, 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 they don't have enough. They don't have some good people in higher places. Um, not to excuse what they've done to people that might have been wrong, but as you said, it's to be an active force in your community even after everything he's done to, to try to give back to community that maybe shunned him or treated him unfairly to begin with beyond admirable. That, that's extremely admirable. Um, 
Let's go ahead and pause there. Absolutely. And we'll have our next session in a little while. All right, we're back from our intermission. Uh, it's only one second for y'all, but about five minutes for us. Um, let's go ahead and go back to the hard-hitting conversation that we were having before this about police and systems and mistreated people. Um, you know, I wanted this podcast to be about real stuff, about current stuff. Uh, big trying to kind of avoid politics specifically just because I'm so over everything with the elections and, and the recent shit, but we'll get the, you know, around police and different things. Um, to start off, I, I wouldn't say I'm a blue lives matter kind of guy, mm-hmm. but I definitely back police for the job they do or they have to do. Um, it's not an easy job. Imagine dealing with people who don't like you all the time. And having to deal with those people on a regular basis in stressful situations, dangerous situations. Um, It's not an easy job. And I've had some people callously say, well, they signed up for it. I don't care if you signed up for a shitty job. That doesn't make it any less taxing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, The threat to your life doesn't decrease just because you agree to do something. Oh, absolutely. And that. and in that aspect, I have a huge respect for police. Um, I I'm a huge law and order kind of guy. I believe in justice. And to say all of that, to to mention all of that right now, I still know that there are some fucking asshole cops out there. There are racist cops out there. The justice system is flawed. People get fucked. If you have money. And someone else doesn't have money. You can bully them just by being able to get, you know, better lawyers or drag something out. Um, and that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And we're we're here in America, and that's something we need to work on as a nation, um, on all different levels for all people. No doubt. And I always know. I mean, no matter what occupation, and I mean, it definitely comes to light more with police. But I always try to tell people. And there's no doubt it's flawed. There's no doubt injustice exists. And I know the percentage may change from person to person is how they view as far as that percentage of flaw. But don't let the, what I'd like to say, 5-10%, people may argue 20%. Don't let that percentage paint the picture for 80% mm-hmm. or 90%, however you view it. Because we all have good intentions regardless of our occupation. And we all know people that are around us and that we're tied to that don't make the best decisions and obviously we all make our own faulty decisions but we like to think that they don't paint our picture or that our very like you say rare poor decisions or for some uh, like myself probably not so rare decisions paint our entire picture is just not fair and cops are put in what I call no-win situations non-stop so when that your career is a non-win situation it's hard to be successful and to be a high percentage, I guess you can say, successful guy in that career, mm-hmm. especially these days. Yes, and uh, one thing I do agree with, even as you know, a, a right-leaning centrist, I guess you could say, is uh, I'm I'm all for better training, you know, no. or or not just training, but psychological programs, um, anything that could make the cop more efficient at their job to prevent loss of life, to make them mentally more capable of doing their job. I'm all for it. 
Okay, if we got to pay for that out my tax money, whatever, do it. I'm not. I'm not against that. I I agree that as a society, it's something we need to work on. Um, but I also, like you said, we need to stop the wholesale condemnation of an entire group of people that spans. There's, I think there's roughly like six hundred thousand police cops in America. Police cops, police officers in America, six hundred thousand. And they span across all races. I mean, naturally, they're majority white. You know, yeah. this country's majority white. Um, but I feel like we need to approach every situation like it's a new situation, not a situation that's tied to previous situations. And I understand the significance of history of what happened in the past. We, we don't want to forget that. We don't want to demean that. But at the same time, if I'm dealing with a cop today, I shouldn't blame him for what a different cop did yesterday. Absolutely. Agreed 100%. And in that sense, for both sides, not just the side that's condemning them, the side that is very much pro-cop, they need to be more ambiguous also with how they treat cops. And my default position is to defend them first. And I think I think that's fine. I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I'm saying is, is you should approach every situation from a neutral standpoint first. Each one's unique, and has each one's unique, and you should treat it as unique, and you should look at it and say, look, regardless of the fact that this is a cop and a criminal, what happened? Was the cop in the wrong, and was it an understandable wrong, or a wrong that could have been prevented, or was it a malicious wrong, maybe? Because there are some situations where they're just fucked up. You know, uh, George Floyd was a big thing last summer. Yeah, and no doubt. And understand his past and everything he was tied to that was... But Look, that, that, does, that doesn't justify anything. It, it doesn't justify kneeling on a man's neck for for eight minutes. Agreed. No doubt. Okay. It's, it's um, unexplainable. That cop and for the autopsy <laughs> to come back with something... That I'm sure is paid off and saying it's this even, even if he was on all those drugs and all that stuff, yep. that doesn't excuse the cop milling on his nope. neck. It's unexcusable. Agreed. You can't you can't justify it. And, and and that's where I say, look, cops have a hard job. They deal with drugged out meth heads and all these other things. And they make mistakes. But like kneeling on someone's neck, that's a malicious wrong. Okay, that's something that should never happen. And you've had cops and you've had Joe Rogan and you've had anyone that has any experience with that kind of situation say he should have never done that. And there are protocols that cops have that do require them to kneel on a suspect's back. But it's a quick thing. It's long enough to get cuffs on them, get them up and get them in the squad car. Absolutely. And that's fine. That's acceptable. That should be standard protocol. What's unacceptable is an extended period of time where you could do harm to the person. Agreed. And I guess what I'm saying is, is whether you're pro-cop, not pro-cop, whether you've had bad dealings in the past, don't hold every cop responsible for every other cop. I mean, and that's that's a general rule for everyone, whether it's race, whether it's religion. Um, when I was younger, grew up in Mamu. I used to get picked on a lot, surprisingly, a lot when I was younger by all kinds of people. I got jumped by a bunch of black dudes when I was younger. I should have been a racist, right? If 
and I've, I've had people that tried to not necessarily raise me as racist because most of my close family members aren't racist, but I've had some that try to steer me in a direction, and I never went that way. No. Um, not only just because as I got older, I understood you can't judge everyone for the actions of the few. Um, I had amazing parents who taught me the age-old cliche of don't judge a book by its cover. Judge a man by his actions and his words and what he does, not by how he looks. A man, woman, whatever. Um, but the point is, is give people the benefit of the doubt, the benefit of a doubt. Give them a chance and let them, even if it fucks you over, let them prove you wrong. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Don't assume bad. Assume good first. And then if they're bad, well, maybe I got burned a little bit, but at least I, as an individual, did the right thing first. Absolutely. And that's that, that comes to race, that comes to cops, that comes to religion, whatever. That's how we should be, right? Agreed. Agreed. And, and I bring this up because, look, you know, we, we know that black history in America has not been good at all. Absolutely. We've, we've progressed a lot as a country as far as racism and everything. There's still a lot of issues. And I understand it's hard to, you know, shed the ideas of generations of harm and wrongdoing by somebody. But the cops of today aren't the cops of yesterday. So even as a person of color or a person who whose family, you don't even have to be a color, you can be white, whatever, who had bad dealings all their lives with cops, you need to give these cops the chance to be better. Because if you don't, they're going to form a grudge and they're going to treat you like shit probably. And I'm not saying that's cool or acceptable, but I'm just saying if you go into a relationship with somebody negatively, it's going to be a negative relationship. Absolutely. If all there is is tension that you bring to the table, then how can you get a positive result? Exactly. And if, if you're automatically assuming wrong's going to happen, if you're automatically looking for wrong, okay, if you go out and you try to find something wrong with somebody, you're going to find it. Whether or not they deserve that amount of scrutiny, you're going to find something wrong because that's what you're looking for. But if you go out and you try to find something good, you're going to find good. Yeah, and every now and then you might go out looking for good, like you said, and somebody probably has negative intentions, and they're trying to look for the exact opposite, but they see your vibe, and they see how you bring in that positivity, you may sway them. Yeah. You may sway that, hey, everybody's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Everybody don't have bad intentions. Why am I so bitter? You may throw flags in their head, and it may, will it change somebody's life? Maybe not. Will it change somebody's night and get them thinking differently? Hopefully so. So the intention is, hey, let's be positive. It mm-hmm. costs nothing to be positive. That's a lot of wasted effort to be negative. Let's let's try to flip that script and uh, progress instead of uh, doing what the I guess media tries to portray this world to become yeah. as negative. Because maybe uh, selfishly, I think there's a lot more good than bad in this world. Just sadly, the bad gets uh, advertised a lot more than the good. A lot more. Um, I 100% agree, man. It's it's fucking. It's so rough to see people fighting that I think if you would sit them down at this table right now and have a conversation with, I don't think it would be the same. I really don't. I, um, I think it's something that, that's missing. Um, look, man, I, I like social media to an extent. Uh, there's a lot of bad, but there's some good. You know, being able to connect with people that you normally want to connect with, uh, you know, running my help running that sports group. You know, I, I form connections with people all over the United States 
over a game that I love over my computer. It's so simple. Yep. But there there's downsides to that. And I think one of the downsides is a loss of a connection on a personal level because people are more willing to say fucked up shit over the internet as opposed to someone's face. You know, and I'm not a violent person, but I think some people sometimes they need an ass whooping to correct them. Agreed. And I'm just, I don't mean that, you know, I don't want no harm to them really, but sometimes people need to take a little beating to, to, to get humbled and to understand, that, well, fuck, maybe I'm fucking up. You know? Nope. Yep. Gotta look in the mirror. Yeah, I mean, you should constantly be challenging yourself and trying to better yourself. If you look at my Facebook feed, at least half of it is people I don't agree with. They have different political ideas than me. I get into debates with them all the time, and I just don't agree with them, and that's probably half of my Facebook. Yeah, I have similar ones <laughs> like that. And, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit up uh, Branch of McClendon again. Go ahead. Because he's on the... Yeah, I know Branch. I know him from high school. Yeah, and he's always been anti, but I always thought he was anti, uh, I guess, to just cause trouble. I guess that was youth as far as being selfish, thinking I know more than I do. And as time progressed, I realized that his intentions are still pure. sounds like a deep word, but that they are in the right direction. And they are heartfelt. They are passionate. And to this day, do I agree with all of them? Not really. But... Branch and I, we can go eat supper or dinner. I'll cook for him tomorrow night. His family could be in my home any day of the week, and it'll be with a hug and a smile, despite whatever little difference we see in the world. But we also know at the end of the day, we got to hug our neighbor. We also got to love everybody. And despite any view, tension does not progress. Tension does not solve anything. And, I mean, this world doesn't need an ounce more hate. And I know that's kind of cliche, but... This world could use a lot more it's love. True. It's true, man. We, we need to come together as a country, as, as common people, and extend a hand to other people and try to make a branch. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know it sounds hippy dippy. It, it sounds more liberal than conservative for damn sure. Well, depending on who you talk to, I guess. Um, but we need to put aside such things and try to come together. And try to try to get us back as as a country to a place where we can tolerate each other at the very least. Because right now it feels like they're not doing that, and that's that's not good. Yeah, and I'll go in more into a political thing. Let's, did let's he, go take us there. Then even Trevor probably tapped into and reasons why I guess I can't explain. But if you go to bed at night and Joe Biden will be our president, did I vote for him? Absolutely not. But he will be. If that bothers you and you lose sleep at the end of the day, you're part of the problem. Did it go in your favor? Obviously it didn't. But if you're going to dictate your day-to-day operation of who's president, and that's going to impact your life to where you can't be the same dad, you can't be the same husband, and you can't be the same, I guess, employee or co-worker, well, shame on you. You need to just deal with it. Just know that, hey, we have four years of it. Hey, it might work out better than we think. Will it? I don't think so, but at the same time, I'm going to work all the same, and I'm going to try to be the best parent, best parent I can be tomorrow, and the best husband I can be tomorrow, and the best coworker I can be tomorrow. Didn't go my way, but hey, we're going to have another run at it. But at the same time, whoever did vote for him, even though I didn't, I got to love them all the same, because I mean, we don't have to all see the world through the same lens, mm-hmm. and that's just life. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I repeat it again. I, I honestly think. 
as much as I disagree with some of those people, I think that their intentions are right. I think they want what's best. They want what their version of what's best. And, we, you know, maybe it's something we don't agree on. But it's, like I said, if we could all sit down and just understand that we want what's best for the country, Go we want way. what's good for everyone, and, and build from there, or just try. Just try. Maybe it won't work. Maybe not. Maybe some bad shit's going to happen. But I don't want to see that bad shit. You know, I, I made a post on Facebook about storming the Capitol, and I, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. That's I, I don't agree with yeah, it. It's, it's appalling. And, and some people were, were against it. So a lot of people were for it. Um, and I just made my stance clear. Like, look, I watched cities burn for months for the for the Black Lives Matter protest. Well, not really the protest, the riots. Okay? And, and I, I want to differentiate that because, look, Ignorance is not bliss. You should not try to be ignorant. And we need to understand that there was a, a Black Lives Matter protest and a Black Lives Matter riot. And the protest was peaceful. And the riot were extremists that wanted to burn everything down and take advantage of a stressful situation. Okay? I don't like the BLM organization. I didn't like their leaders. I don't like some of the things they do. But I also understand what the Black Lives Matter movement is about, and I agree with it because even if me and you, we don't see everyday injustices, they happen. Absolutely. And as a country, like I said, black people have had a bad history, and it's time that everyone understands that to the fullest extent and embrace them and say, look, it's fucked up, but let's try and get it back on track. And I understand what they're fighting for. You, you can't go around destroying people's property. You can't go around robbing people, beating people up, robbing stores, destroying your neighbor's property. You, you're destroying people who, who are fighting alongside you. You're destroying their stuff. You're not destroying the, the government or the, the police that are against you. Like, not even to consider the fact that you condemned an entire police station, even though it wasn't all of them. Um, yeah, and I won't speak much on it because for me, I know people in the police force. Huh, I respect them wholeheartedly, love them to death. But again, those great people that I know, the few, I also know isn't three of six hundred thousand like you mentioned. So are they the picture? No, but I'd like to think that they're large. Part of it, but what does bother me is when you have hardworking people in these cities and businesses are burned down, and you just eliminated a common man or a woman's work as far as their job. You burned it down, so now they don't have any income because their boss can't pay them. Mm-hmm. So now you just made that middle class person that's busting their ass. You made their life harder, yep. and that's All not for the actions that, of a different cop. And that's not fair to them. No, and it's not fair to the city when you destroy billions of dollars worth of property or you ruin your neighbor's restaurant who they busted their ass for 30 years to, to, to get thriving and you just destroyed it. And then you're callous enough to be like, oh, well, the insurance covers it, but the insurance doesn't cover it. Or they give them a small settlement and it's not enough to, to, to keep doing what they were doing. Um and it is a deep topic. It's a sensitive it's, topic. It's, it's a huge topic, and we don't have to go heavy into it. And we, and we can. I just don't like the fact that people try – riots are riots and protests are protests. 
And the difference is that when you look two, three weeks from now, if you look back and you don't see substantial damage, or even damage in general, damage is inexcusable, that if businesses didn't lose work, employees don't have a job anymore, that that's... You're, you're fucking over innocent people. Exactly. And and you're not going to bring your point across if you're fucking over innocent people. Taken away from the cause. I am less likely to hear you out if you walk up to me and punch me in the face before you say anything to me. And I think that stands for most people. Okay. And look, I understand emotions are high. Tensions are high. I, I completely understand why the riots happened. I just don't agree with it. I don't agree with letting yourself go like that, taking advantage of a stressful situation and turning it into violence and destruction and hurting people. It's unacceptable. Agreed. And uh, maybe you feel like it's going to change something. It's not. All you're doing is inflaming people against you. You might get, you know, notoriety as far as the media is concerned. They'll talk about you more. Sure. I mean, if you want exposure, but you're harming so many people by doing that. And it's inexcusable. Just like the Capitol. It was inexcusable. They put people's lives in danger. People die. And more people, honestly, it's not a popular opinion, but. And I know many would align with it. Or people probably should have died. But should we really make that the point of this? That I think is a, a selfish point. Is it fair? Maybe not. If shoes were, I guess, on a different foot, would the result have been different? I agree with you. Or I agree with y'all. Or I agree with. When I say one thing, and I guess I'm going to bounce off of that, I hate you and y'all and us. When I say that, Selfishly, I should never use it. It's blue and red because blue and red has every. I've seen truck drivers that are red to the gills and they're super Hispanic. I've seen truck drivers at my occupation that are super red and African American. And I've also seen ones that are really blue and as Caucasian as can be. And they ask me my opinion, obviously I'm neutral, I'm at a workplace, and I just hear them out, and I'm like, so it's all faces of all races of all kinds are on both sides. So if our end goal is peace and love, why does it matter? Why does it matter? What does it look like? Hug it, love it, respect it, and let's get on the same side. Yeah. Just be respectful towards each other. It's not hard, even if you disagree. It takes less effort. It really does. It causes a whole lot less stress. Um... And I know because I, I mean, I do it to myself all the time. I get in these political debates just because it's something I do like doing. But eventually I get so exhausted where I just stop and I'm like, what am I doing? Um, I get more aggravated at the fact that people are so distraught and so anti when they have no want to establish common ground when that is not hard. I think my least favorite thing is when people are in a conversation just to be malicious. Or they'll post something just to get a, a, a just a heckle stir. or to stir the pot. And I'm like, okay, first off, don't post a comp, post something that, that requires, you know, detailed debate, but you're just being callous. What are you doing? Are you really fixing the problem or are you just being a hateful son of a bitch? There's, you know what I'm saying? I mean. And I'm not going to try to. This area where we come from, I would 
I guess recklessly say that a lot of the posts are to get a reaction. Oh, I saw I some would, today. I have friends that I grew up with, and, and I say friends loosely, that I played maybe sports with, that I went to school with. They post things that are an automatic disconnect that I say, my, my kids can't go to that house. Because there's, if they view things that way, they can't be around people that have those views. And a couple of them are surprising. A couple of them say, hey, why you hadn't been in touch? Not that it impacts their life or my life. But deep down, it's like my kid can't be molded in a shape that you're trying to, I guess, raise their kids. Is it wrong? Maybe not. But it's just not a direction I want my kids to go because I don't think it's beneficial for the long-term goal, which no. who cares about a president? Like, yeah, okay, you have an opinion, president. We have two sides, sadly. And obviously there's one side that's always going to be bitter. So if it's not my side, hey, there's been years it's been my side. So those sides, they win this year. I, I can't dictate my life off of that decision. <laughs> I still got to love the same. I still got to progress the same. I still want to show kids, whether it's mine or anybody else's, whether I coach or not, that, hey, there's a bigger picture. It's unity. It's love. It's progression. And... If you want all that, you should probably step away from the two sides. And there are people that do that. I'm one of them. I used to be, well, I, funny enough, out of high school, I was a registered Democrat. And then I swapped to, to neutral, uh, whatever that's fucking called. I forget. Um, non, is it non No. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it, there's, a, <laughs> there's a political term for it. And then I swapped to Republican mostly because I wanted to uh, vote in the primary election, uh, the Republican primaries. Um, there's a word. I forget what it is. Look, look it up. Look, he's going on his phone, people. He will find that word for us. It's 2021. Yeah, I don't understand why I can't remember. Uh, well, I mean, we're a few beers in, and I'm tired. I've been up since 430. It's 1230. Um, so, you know. Our brains are starting to get a little loosey goosey on us people. Um, but to continue while he's looking, um, so I was a registered Democrat out of high school. Then I grew up and then I, I changed my registration to the neutral party, whatever that one is, which he'll tell us in a second. And then later on, I changed it to Republican because um, I wanted to, I lead more towards the right side and. I wanted to vote in the Republican primaries and for anyone who hasn't taken a political class or really looked it up um, in order to uh, Libertarian Party is not quite what it is, but you're not wrong. Look at through them. Um, I forget what it's but anyway, I um to to vote in the Republican primary or the Democratic primary, you have to be a registered Democrat or Republican. And if you are registered, um, if you're not registered as one of those, if you're registered in the middle, you can't participate in the primaries. And uh, kind of sucks. I think it's stupid. Like you should be able to vote for who you want out of all the possible candidates, but it is what it is. Nonpartisan. So, nonpartisan. That's what it is. Uh, vote. You know, you could register as nonpartisan and you're neutral, but they won't let you vote in the primaries. And I think what's sad about that is I think a lot of people would go to nonpartisan, including probably myself. But I feel like there would be, I guess the view is you'd be a part of such a small percentage that you'd be wasting a vote. 
when in reality, if people committed to that, that it would trend enough to get momentum. But well, for what the numbers say, the majority of Americans are centrist. They're not like I forget what the specific number, but I want to say it's like forty percent of Americans are, are center, and like well, it might be more than that. It might be like fifty percent are center, and twenty five thirty percent are Democrat, and twenty five thirty percent are Republican, and most people are in the center. You have your hardcores, and I still think it's a good thing. I mean, I think I, before I we get centered, that it's a good. Oh, thing. Oh, I, I think everyone should be centered. Like I went center. Why? Because. Look, as much as I do have many conservative values, I could not sit there and watch all the Republicans suck Donald Trump's dick. And look, if you want to talk about policy, look, Donald Trump's policies are not really any different than any other right-leaning candidate would have done. Okay? Now, but he's an egotistical liar. He's a son of a bitch. Like, he wasn't a good – his appearance as president wasn't good. He wasn't presidential. And I think a lot of people like that, but the, the fact of the matter is, is he could have been a lot better than what he was. No doubt. Um, and he he chose not to be. He chose to be egotistical and lie and just never back down. It's it's just not good. And I can handle that from him because I expected it from him. I voted for him, so you know it's not like I did. Well, I voted for Ted Cruz in the primaries, and just just so people understand, I. I, I feel like the voting process for the primaries is fucking stupid. They had five candidates. Trump got like 22% of the vote. And he won the primaries. Well, in my eyes, you should have a runoff. If you have five people and all five people are drawing votes, yeah, then you take the two highest people and you have a runoff election. And then they decide the fate of the Republican Party. Not you won... Okay, it wasn't 22%. It was like 40%. But it wasn't half. It wasn't 50%. So, like, have a runoff. Yeah, if it ain't 50%, then the yeah. rest of those four might all navigate it or half gravitate of, it to one If person. half of all registered Republicans aren't voting for you, why the fuck are you the Republican candidate? It's fair enough. I, I never viewed it that way, but, I mean, you uh, can't or I can't dispute it. I never just looked into it that much. Just, well, I mean, it makes sense. if you have a better system, not let sense. me know. Tell me. Well, not you specifically, but even the listeners. If you not. have a better idea... All I'm saying is, is and, and like the left side of primaries is even more ridiculous. They have like super delegates and and all this other shit. And, and my point is, is you should have two people, and the votes should matter. And and whoever got the highest percent, there you go, good to go. Okay, right? Pretty pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the actual presidential election, I, I still believe in the electoral college for certain reasons, but we're not getting into that tonight. Um, yeah, it's it deep. It gets real deep. Um. But as far as he was concerned, I was like, why the fuck is Trump? Like, why are we having a runoff? So now, okay, Trump's president now. Oh, fuck, I'm going to vote for him. I knew what kind of asshole he was. I knew what he was going to be. I didn't think he'd be that bad. I'm going to be honest. I thought he'd be a little bit better. He's reckless. Hold up. Uh, come to find out, he's worse than what most of us thought. Um, But it wasn't him. It was the Republican you know, sycophants who, like I said, sucked his dick pretty much. Oh, he could do no wrong. They were just trying to get his weight. Like, no, you're supposed to be my representative, our representative. You should be standing up to him when he's wrong. You're the one who's you're the ones who are supposed to stand up to him and stop him or say something and fuck whatever power he has. You know, and they didn't do it. Why? Because they were in control. Oh, well, we got control. Fuck it. We'll do whatever we want. I think that's bullshit. 
you know, you should have been a check in a balance against him. And you weren't. Why? Because it was party politics. I think it's bullshit. So after that, no, I'm, I'm not a Republican. I'm not part of the party. I'm, I'm, I became a centrist. Why? Because, look, just because I'm not a Republican doesn't mean I like the left side. I don't. Uh, on many things. There's some things I agree with them on, like I said. But I'm all for free education if you do it right. I'm all for free health care if you do it right. There ain't nothing you showed me is doing it right. And I'm not willing to risk this nation for the potential of you doing it right. For a maybe. For a maybe. And I think that's the biggest disconnect is because I feel like most people who don't want the free stuff, that's the main reason. Like, why? Why is all my tax money going towards something that might not work and that could also harm this country in the long run? And I think what, I guess, kind of cripples it, too, is that we see other countries that uh, have attempted it, and I don't think it's – we have an example of it being some, done efficiently. I mean, some, some countries get it done, but they also tax at higher rates, and they also don't have the nearly the amount of the population we have. Yes. I mean, our, our GDP is high, but um, – it's still it's it's complex. I'm not saying we can't do it. I'm saying we need to find a method that works and doesn't hurt us. And if you can do those two things, then you have me sold. Like I said, I want I want everyone to have a good life. I want everyone to be prosperous. Yeah, and I think it's again great intentions. But if you do this, and then the I hate to classify people as lower class because lower class is some of the hardest working people on this planet. Here you go. I, well, I'm lower middle class now because my wife's an RN and we busted our asses for 15 to 20 years. But absolutely. But if we give this health care <laughs> and we see this this lower class, which shit, you could probably argue that I'm part of. If you see this elevating as far as percentage wise of what's considered it, then really are you are you progressing as far as people are saying I'm lower class, I'm doing less, I'm getting this benefit, and I'm really pushing for goals because they're acquiring a benefit. I mean, it's a, it's a really, really sensitive topic. But let's say that let's say that percentage increases. This is super hypothetical, and we're just going out there with that's numbers. That's fine. Let's go. But let's say that, that lower, even to middle class, jumps 7% in the first year that it's available. Is that coincidence, or is that people saying, I'm on the verge why not stoop and then I get these kickbacks? And then at the same time, the people that are busting their ass, nine to five, blue collar, the wealth is always going to be wealthy. That's why I don't like to talk about them. Billionaires are going to be billionaires. You're not going to be convincing them to be millionaires. Not, not all of them are, are undeserved. Um, oh, they, there are you know, employers. Now, look, look, there's some that, you know, I, I don't have anything wrong with having billionaires. I, I don't. My thing is, is as long as you acquired it in a not criminal way, that's your business. Okay. And I'm not necessarily saying an ethical way. I'm saying a criminal way because there's ethics are, are based on a person, right? Absolutely. Uh, I agree with Okay. You take someone like Elon Musk. This, I mean, look, he, his parents had a little bit of money, but he, he took some of that money and he turned that money into millions of dollars. And he took those millions of dollars and he turned that into billions of dollars. And glad you're gonna, I'm glad you yeah. keep elevating because this yeah. is a lot. And if you're going to sit there and tell me that Elon Musk doesn't deserve to have his billions of dollars, okay, first off, the man's a genius in his in his field or whatever. Okay, he created great ideas and he created great business models. And not only did he create those great business models, Execute. 
he he executed them, but he risked everything for them. Okay. I agree. 100%. And if you're gonna sit there and tell me that someone came up with an idea, they spent eight to a hundred hours a week for years making that idea work, and then put up millions of dollars of their own money and risked it all, and they succeeded. And you're gonna try to take their money away? No, fuck you. And not to and, mention, and not to mention who they employ. Up. I mean, okay, that that they create, and look, they create a lifestyle for. I'm I'm fine with fair fair. Um, employee practices. I don't. I don't like the idea of minimum wage in general because it puts a cap on what you could spend. And while I understand that there should be a certain line that companies should have to pay, I think you take away bargaining power when you set that line federally instead of you know because the, the issue with businesses and and the, the issue with capitalism is America hasn't been a true capitalist state in. Hundreds of years. But so we might not have been alive for it. So yeah, that's Pro- probably not. Um, and for for it to be a true capitalist state, the workers have to have power, and we have to, you know, bargain with the companies. And I mean, look, unions are great, and they're well. Look, there are positives and negatives to unions. I'll say that because I don't really like unions personally. I've had the, the option to join a couple, and I never did because I don't like dues and I don't like some of the bullshit. You know. But the problem is, is okay. So you, you bargain, you join a union, and instead of making fifteen dollars an hour, you make thirty dollars an hour. But then union fees and dues take ten dollars of that, or well, I say not ten, I say seven. So you get an extra three dollars, but all that money just went to waste. And then now you don't even have a personal relationship with your company, so you're not as invested, and and they don't give a shit about you anyway. So the first chance they get to fuck you, they will if they can. It's yeah, just, why wouldn't they? Yeah, it's it's just convoluted. Yeah. All right, now I know mom and pop stores. They take care of their people the best they can. They might not pay them as much as they would like to, but it's because they can't afford and it. And it's but it's intimate. Uh, you can say but it's intimate, and, and they care. Like my company doesn't pay me enough. Um, and I mean, shit, they might not even care all that much, but they've cared more than most companies I work for. You know, and it's more personal because it's a smaller company, uh, but it's one of the reasons they thrive. Yeah. Um, and I won't even name the company that I'm with, it, but no, it's, it's no, all no name dropping it's, it's out, hauling gas, and obviously the market's uh, constantly revolving. But there's been a lot of change since I've been with them, and I've been in previous employers that change was always uh, associated with uh, more layoffs are coming. It's a negative thing, and now I'm with some people that when they see change, it's it's positive. Even people that's been with the company 25, 30 years. They see change they've never seen before, but they choose to use that as we're evolving, we're progressing. They're putting people in place that are going to push the needle. We're putting people in place that's going to drive, uh, I guess you can say, success. That They don't use it as a negative. They use it as basically trying to uh, drive momentum, trying to drive inspiration. And I'm very, very green to where I'm at now, but here in leadership, that probably never seen such change, never seen those faces being implemented. And instead of being negative, they use it as a freaking, basically a boost to say, this is why we should look forward. This is why we should be happy. This is why we should be thankful, obviously, going into the new year, because they're putting people in place that are going to benefit us, and we're all going to be better for it, despite 
Is that going to happen? Maybe not. But if that's the vibe, that's the message, that goes a long ways for your personnel, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And I, and I think there's a, a huge thing to be said about, you know, a personal relationship with the person who's hiring you. Or, you know, and, and look, some of it is just the, the climate. You know, you it's a business. You want to be professional. And there are certain lines that probably shouldn't be crossed between you and your employer. But it doesn't mean you can't be personally on a good page and understand each other. Um, but it goes both ways. If I go work for a company, and, and I, you know, I've had this conversation with some of the people I work for. If I go work for you, I'm trying to make that company better as an individual employee. And I'm not saying I will be able to. I'm not saying I'm the best for the job or anything like that. But I will try my damnedest to make it better in any way I see fit. And look, I have a good work ethic. You know, I, I feel responsible. I'm one of those people who were taught that, um, you know, your reputation matters. Your job history matters. You know, give your two weeks notice unless you absolutely can't. Surround yourself uh, by people that you want to respect yeah, yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's something that like, even my friend like Travis O'Connor, uh, you know, his, his work reputation is, is one of the best I know. And he cultivated that. Yeah, great spent, guy. He's a great guy. Not only is he a great guy, but he went and he worked and he showed he was a great guy. And he built those relationships. And he built a, not only a resume, but a platform for him to succeed later on in life. You know. And just kind of touching back to what we said in high school, you know, these people had to give a fucking damn about their high school diploma. Your, your high school diploma is about building your reputation as a citizen of this country, as someone who said, look, I did at least a bare minimum in education to do to, to make a difference in my life. And and companies see that, you know, that's why it's almost always a, a given like you have. Your high school diploma. Okay. No, why not? Like why? Like you foundation. Yeah, well, you couldn't even finish the foundation. Like, how can I trust you with something more? Um, but reputation is hugely important. Your work history is hugely important. Um, you don't have to agree with what you know the people you work with. You know, you don't even have to agree with your company. But like, you have a job and they're paying you for something, and you need to do that something to the best of your ability. To where whether or not they like you, they don't have to like you. Shit, they don't even have to think that you were the best for the job. But never, ever let them sit there and say that you didn't bust your fucking ass for them. Agreed. And, and uh, if you I'm, do that, I think you can be successful. I'm not going to get too in-depth, but we, we I've, been, I've been laid but, off one time in my life. And I, uh, before I got laid off, I, I took a, a reduced role. Mm-hmm. I took that time to not get bitter and went from a kind of a, uh, I guess, collared situation to a put on your work boots and lace them up. And I wasn't mad. Only thing I say was kind of my dad told me, I'm not going to let somebody put on their boots and outwork me. Mm-hmm. And I took that every day to work. And I don't think I was ever, ever outworked. And some of the people I respect the most, 25 plus year people. When I got laid off, they called me. They didn't apologize, but they said, to sum it up, Bubba, I'll never lace up my boots with somebody else that busted their ass harder than you. Mm-hmm. And it made me, on one side, I was a lot, maybe a lot more bitter because I said, well, well uh, I, I made my point, and it was recognized by those that I felt 
It was recognized by those that to me that mattered. Mm-hmm. Those that I worked alongside and they, they saw it. The people that made a decision. Did they see it? I know there's way, way more um I guess you can say influence on those decisions, but it motivated me more for my current role and I, I guess I hope that uh I can keep that drive and determination and that it's mm-hmm. seen and not pushed aside not only by my coworkers but by my leadership which is I think special where I'm at now, which I'm thankful for. I, I think the bitterness is understandable. Okay. You you give a company your heart and soul and you bust your ass and you do your best for them and they fuck you over. It's reasonable to be bitter. But it's also wise to to see past that bitterness and say, okay, look, I need to let this not affect me in the long run and I need to do what's the right thing, even though it's the hard thing. Because it's it's not and I've been fucked over. Yeah. And I probably didn't do that well initially. I probably had a three, four month look, period that I was bitter more than I should have been progressing. But we're all human. None of us are perfect. I'm I've not been perfect. I've had bad work situations that I didn't respond well to. Um but later on I realized look I need to I need to figure out what's most important to me. You know, and it's easier now. I'm a husband, I'm a father, so, you know, I got to bring money home, okay? I mean, shit, my wife makes more than me. She's a nurse, but my money still matters. Like, it's, it's our money anyway, but look, I got to help bring food on the table. I got to help pay bills. I got responsibilities. What's more important, my family being fed or me being pissed off because my work fucked me over? And even though it's hard, it's not easy, but understanding what's more important and yeah. chasing that. Absolutely not. I don't think it's so much screwed me over. I know there's a lot of... Yeah, I was just a, a speaking, lot of, you know, No, no, no. I know that. But just to say, I, I don't... I don't think there was any ill will in it. I know mm-hmm. there was a lot of... If, as far as it's statistical, it's uh, financial, and it has to make sense. But when you pour your heart into something, especially when you believe in everybody that lead you and god forbid i believed in my bosses every step of the way and there's still some that i respect at the highest level mm-hmm. and my wife is still there and <laughs> performs at a high level she outworks my ass every day of the week besides sunday probably daylight because she likes to sleep <laughs> but i'm thankful for all those experiences i think it made me better but you can't hold a grudge you can't hold a grudge just no. make let it make you better. Uh, I, I'm lucky in, in the aspect that I, I, I'm one of those people that have a hard time staying mad at anybody for a long period of time. And across the table from you is my biggest flaw. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I, I have 1,000 flaws. That is probably I, uh, top two. It took me years. Terrible at it. It took me years to get past that, though, man. So, like, when I mentioned earlier in this episode, I used to get picked on a lot. I had a lot of bitterness about that towards certain people who, when I got back to my mom, weren't even there anymore. But they just picked on me, and I held that. I had, I was very resentful of them for years. Actually, so. And, yeah, I mean, you know, rightfully so or whatever. You're young. Kids are stupid. And there's a lot of, um, I'd say, ancestral feelings. And boys, we we're, we tend to have aggression, and we just – the way we outlet ourselves when we're younger is just mean sometimes. And it's not that the person's necessarily terrible. 
we just don't know any better. We're kids, you know, and I think when you're kids, it's, you gotta have a certain understanding that that's going to happen. Um, I think you're very sympathetic because I was probably a person. I don't think I ever picked up people, but I thought I might've been something that mattered. I should have got my, my ass kicked more than I did. My I, dad kicked my it, ass, but someone should have kicked it my took, ass. It took me a long time to stand up for myself, to be confident. Uh, some of it was anger issues, but uh, like when I was in New Jersey is when I, I kind of hit the bend and I was just tired of the bullshit. I was tired of the hypocrisy. I was tired of people just being fucked up. And uh, so, I mean, I took charge, man. I fucking, well, I say, you know, I'm not saying like it was some valiant effort, but uh, I stood up to my bullets and to a point where, and I'm a big guy. I mean, you know, you know that, but listeners, if you don't fucking know me by now, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting across the table. If he's, I'm, I'm six five. I'm three thirty. I can lift my my wife over my head and touch her to the ceiling. Um, so I'm strong and I'm tall and I'm big. And it's ironic that I got picked on, just because if you saw me, you probably your first inclination wouldn't be to pick on me, most likely. And even like Alex said, I'm probably the gentlest teddy bear. Most of the time, but when my bubble gets popped, I'm the most ferocious motherfucker you could fuck with. And a lot of people don't understand that. Um, but I kind of lost my shit and I didn't hurt anybody, but, uh, I kind of blacked out for a second. And then I was on top of a guy in the hallway about to punch his fucking lights out. And I came to, and I was like, fuck, I can't do this. Like, because when you're big, um, you're worried about hurting people. You know, or at least I was. I, I guess some people aren't. That's who you are. I have a big heart, though. I do. I, I definitely have a big heart, and I don't want to hurt anybody. I really don't want to hurt anybody. And when you're my size and you get in a fight, you can kill somebody easier than other people can. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody for the rest of their life. So, like, it took me a while to get there, but I understood that fighting is not something I want to do because I could hurt people. So I need to back off. But at the same time, I can't be picked on anymore. So what do I do? And hey, I got in a couple of fights, but eventually I, I just let it roll off my shoulders. Yeah. You want to be a piece of shit? You want to pick on me? Fuck you. You're a terrible person. I don't need you in my life. I just don't need to give you the, the credibility that, that I somehow was giving you before. So fuck what you say. I'm me, and if you don't like it, tough shit. I'm going to try to work to be someone who I like, not who you like. Um, and, you know, it, it's something you have to work at, and it's not easy. And it's it's hard. It's hard, 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 you know? Um, I've gotten, like I said, i got a couple fights. Even at Mamu, I don't know what it is. Like, people who just want to test their medal against the biggest guy just to show off. So... I'd have people I can't name any names. I just don't remember them. But I'd have guys walk up to me and start talking shit. Want to fight? It got to the point where I was like, "All right, look, here's my face. You got the first lick. I give you the first lick. That's free." I was like, "But I'm coming after you after that. You you make the decision. I'm not gonna start the fight. But look, you you really want to fight me? If if you hate me that much, here's my face. I give you the first lick. You better hope you knock me out though, because I'm coming." And they're going to have to pull me off of you. And I was very much that kind of fighter. There was no try to win and then, you know, five-second fight. Like, if I'm fighting you, I'm trying to hurt you. Because to me, there's no in-between. It's either hurt you or, or leave you alone. Which is why I was only ever in, like, three fights in my entire life. Mm -hmm. You know? Because it was literally one of my fights. 
I blacked out, and when I came to, I had someone in a chokehold by their neck up against a tree off of their feet. I was just holding them there. And I snapped out. I was like, what the fuck am I? You know, it scared me. It scared me. Because I could have hurt them, you know? Uh, and that's not cool. I don't want to hurt nobody. Nah, we all know that. And I don't want to. I don't want to be that person. Anybody knows you knows that uh, you didn't. You didn't do that uh, just on a whim. It no, took, it took a it lot. Takes, it takes a lot. A lot. And, a lot um, and now that I'm older, I can say that person deserved maybe to that level. And honestly, if we weren't right here, I'd say they deserve <laughs> that fucking level. But just to say, you, you don't fly off the handle. No, your instinct no, it, is it, it, definitely, it definitely wasn't lightly. It wasn't. My actions weren't a response to something that was inconsequential. Absolutely. Um, and you know, once I had control, and I just told them, like, look, if if this is what you want, fine. I don't want it, but I'm I'm not gonna back down either. You know, and then, oh, and then it was every time I do that. Oh no, man, I'm just joking. I'm just playing with you. Okay, well, look, there's you could joke with me in another way. Because I take this seriously. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, it's just one of those things, man. It's fuck. <laughs> I wish I could dial it back in time. Not that I well, could help um, you out, God forbid. You, uh, you know what? Um, I think it's it's always interesting when, when, when people talk about the metaphorical uh, time machine. You know? And, and you got to ask yourself, like, if you had a time machine, would you use it? Oh, I, and if you would, well, people say, "What you? What would you tell yourself?" I say, "I tell myself I was an idiot that I don't know you, shit." You know what? Like people's like, "Oh, I do like cool things." I was like, "No, nah, I just tell myself I was a fucking idiot." Here's the thing, and, I, and I'm definitely blessed for this, but I'm at a point in my life where if someone gave me a time machine, I'd never use it. I would not use it. And look, I, mean, I could, I, mean, I could go back in time and tell myself, "Hey, you know that, that Bitcoin over there that costs like a tenth of a penny right now." Buy as much as you can. I could yeah. do that. I could be rich. I don't, yeah, we could I don't even think about that. But well, no. Tesla. <laughs> yeah, Tesla. Yeah. But but my point is is where I'm at in life right now with my wife and my kids. Why would I risk that? Think about it. And, and look, point. I've made I've made a lot of I've made mistakes in my life. I, I, do I have some regrets? Yes. But adversity breeds character, and it breeds determination, and it breeds will, and it's a necessary part of our lives. We can't, you can't live a a, a happy-go-lucky, no harm life because you won't be a real person. You'll be a robot because you'll have no adversity. So I can't, in good conscience, go back in time and alter anything because what if my altering that timeline, I come back and I don't have a wife. I don't have kids, or let's say I have kids, but not these kids. And I mean, they're still my kids, but they're nice, special. Sure, you know, I never viewed it that way. I just thought of, uh, well, it, I, I was look, super it, young, super mature, and it's it's always fun to think that, hey, what you know, what, what would happen if I went back in time? And I never viewed um, it to where like I would go back and like try to become like this, fam- well, not famous, I, I, like rich guy. No, yeah. I want to become a. I think I'm half-assed as a person now. Mm-hmm. I want it to become that at 17 if I can go back. Yeah, and, yeah. and now that it may be 25. And, and, and it's funny because, like, like I said, I'm so blessed where I'm at a point in my life where the only area that I really need improvement on, like major improvement, is my finances. If I had money, I'd be the happiest person in the world. And even then, I'm probably one of the happiest people in the, lot, in the world right now, even without yeah, for what so, for my wife, uh, don't forget, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just 
No doubt. Talking about finances, though. I'm going to have a, uh, a gauge even on any of that. And then my wife came in. Whew, saved the day. Not to mention she kept me, uh, I guess, in check. Forever thankful for that and our kids. Old Megan Deuce said, already go. You mean as hell. Keep me in line. Keep our boys and the queen in check. Forever grateful for you. But Trevor has also shown me I need a world of improvement. And I'm not too sure how thankful I am for that. But keep doing what you do. And Trevor's gonna probably keep reminding me why uh I need to be better tomorrow on uh that few hours of sleep. I'll give you a little while to recoup, man. Uh yeah, it's almost that time. We'll start wrapping it up, you guys. Uh it's currently one in the morning. I've been up since four thirty. He's been up since four thirty. Uh he wants to go hunting tomorrow in like four hours, which might not happen. Uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, but just to wrap things up, I mean, look, we could all technically have better, but let's let's appreciate what we do have. Try to work towards better. Try to be better people, right? Absolutely. Um, appreciate you coming on. I appreciate I, you inviting me. I, uh, I definitely plan on having repeat guests eventually. I'm going to spread out with new guests and then. I want definitely gonna have you back on. I'm gonna have Kidder back on. Um, folks, I have a list of people who have agreed to do this. I made a post on Facebook, and Alex is one of these people who said, "Look, I'm down. Let's do it." Uh, but I want more people. Also, this podcast isn't a sausage fest. Like, look, ladies, or if you know ladies, send them my way. Like, I wanna, I wanna be able to talk to women too. And I've got no women to interview yet. And I really want to have that conversation, you know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm thankful for him inviting me. It's, it's not, it doesn't take long to see what the uh, intention is and the intention is positive. So I'd say uh, a woman's perspective is uh, probably very, very well received with the best of intentions. And all I got from this is uh, seeing how we need to come together. Love outweighs hate. And we need to progress. We need to progress, even if we don't see eye to eye. We need to try to find common ground. And let's evolve. Let's not be the uh, status quo as far as the media. Let's go forward. And let's uh, let's show people that things are better than they are worse. Let's show that cops are better than they are bad. Bad things happen? Absolutely. Are they fair every time? Absolutely not. But let's uh, fight for the injustice. Let's uh, progress and fight for what is right. And hey, let's be part of something positive and a shift and a change that uh, Trevor's clearly pushing forward towards. And uh, I couldn't be, uh, I guess, more thankful for this four hours that he had me here. <laughs> Y'all only get three of those hours, but it, it's been a great four hours. Um, a few last minute notes. A shout out again to the nightclub and Travis. Y'all go check them out. Shout out to the Joe Blow Horror Show. Check out Travis and Boss Tuna. I don't know Boss Tuna's real name, but I don't even remember Boss Tuna last time I shout out. Um, another podcast that you should listen to if you're into horror is Kim and Ket Stay Alive, Maybe, which I listen to on Spotify. They review horror movies. It's a fun show. 
check them out. Give them a listen. Um, as far as books are concerned, um, let's go ahead and just promote what we already said, that the Inheritance Cycle with Aragon by Christopher Paolini. Look, it's more for maybe a teenage audience, but I loved it. Alex loved it. Y'all should check that out. I will revisit it because uh, we tapped into that again. It brought back old memories, and it's it's well worth yes. reading. Yes. Uh, as far as movies, watch Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Amy Adams. I think it was produced by Steven Spielberg. Um, it's a great movie. I watched it recently. If you need a movie to watch, watch that shit. I'm going to throw two movies out that were not even named. Tears of the Sun, I won't name it a cast, and Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond's awesome. Uh, Tears of the Sun is awesome, too. Um, books, I already gave you books. Music. Um, What have I been listening to recently? Phil Alex, Collins. you have anything? I'm going to go with Phil Collins in the air tonight, live in London. If you YouTube it, if you need a little hype video to get your workout started... And I don't even work out. It will get you hyped up to get those going as far as when it gets on the drums. Sick. All right. And I will give you Don't You Worry Child by Swedish House Mafia. And let's go with Midnight City M83. Both of those are on my Spotify playlist right now. Check them out. Listen to them. Um, I don't really think I have anything else to add. Look, I've got an episode... I think next week I'm going to record maybe two, and I have some plans for some more. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to get two episodes out a month, but where it's looking right now, I might get three or four out. And if I get enough people, I don't mind releasing them once a week. So y'all send me messages and say, hey, I want to be on, and I will accommodate you the best I can. We'll do it in person. We'll do it on Zoom. Phone call. I don't care. Let's get it done. Um, I think that's it, folks. Y'all have a good night. Alex, thanks for being here. I appreciate it, big guy. This is Fixie's Playground, and I will see y'all next time.